This episode of Champ and the Tramp is brought to you by Baba Coos Burritos with over 30 locations for your eating pleasure. A burrito a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Real show, here we go. Real show, here we go. You know that it's gotta be that time, so this is what we chant. What keeps on getting them all amped in advance? You and I rocking out with Iron Man FE. You get the general's point of view on top of Rogers' rants. Whenever it's happening out, we're putting the most minutes in you. Already know what that's about, you know that win is win. Crush whatever's on task, check the podcast. It's the champ and the tramp, let the bomb blast. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Champ and the Tramp podcast. We have a special guest in for you guys today. We have Larry Hagner in from uh, Dad's Edge podcast. Frankie and I have both been lucky enough to do his podcast. Um, Also founder of the Good Dad Project, which we want to talk about today, find out exactly what that is. Um, Larry flew all the way in from St. Louis, man, so thank you, brother. Thank you for coming in. uh, This is kind of a first for us. We've... We've had a lot of guests on, but I don't think ever one just dedicated to fatherhood per, per se. So this is this is going to be cool, man. Man, I'm, I'm excited, and and you and I are still fighting after this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let me rephrase. You're well, going to beat me you up, see, right? You see, you see the black eye, Roger. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you could do some damage, man. I don't want any of that. But yeah, yeah, you know, um, I <laughs> I was actually on another podcast yesterday, and it was this this sort of like uh, early early podcast for this dad show, and uh, this guy called this this host called me the OG of dad podcast. I'm like the OG. Yeah. I was like, I've, I've been doing it for six years, but I didn't know like the OG. I was like, wow. Okay. All right. Six I, yeah, years. Wow, man. Six years. Yeah. I think you are the OG because to my knowledge, I mean, I'm a little too new to the podcast world, but I don't know any podcast that's solely strictly dedicated to fatherhood, you know, and not only that you're, you're, you're the founder of the good dad project. Can you kind of fill us in on exactly what that is? And I definitely can. Yeah. So are you ready for this? Right, yeah, let's go. go. Okay, Can't all right. Wait. So one day, 2012, I woke up and I was like, I know everything there's to know about fatherhood. I need to share this with the world. Uh, and if you believe that, I'll <laughs> tell you another one. Uh, no, actually, I I had just an absolute crazy childhood. I don't say that out of pity or anything like that, but like my mom was married three times. I was born I was born in 75. My parents were married for, yes, you too. I know we're the same age. Uh, I was born in 75. They were married for about four years. And the crazy thing was, is they got divorced like about a year after I was born and he was, he left and I'll never forget it, man. I was like, I was four years old and it was just me and my mom. I didn't feel like I was missing out on a thing, but I was in preschool. I'll never forget 41 years ago. I'll never forget this. And I, I remember men coming to pick up their kids. So I knew what a dad was and I just knew I didn't have one, but I didn't, didn't bother me. I thought that the moms go out and find dads. Like, that's how dads came about. So I'll never forget, man, the first time a mom brought a guy home. I was four. They worked together. They had been dating. And this guy walks in, man, and it's 1979. He's got the trench coat, the three-piece suit, the double Windsor knot tie, (laughs) handlebar mustache, feathered hair, briefcase, no iPads. And the first thing I asked this guy when he walks in, I said, "Are you going to be my dad?" No. Yeah, I mean that's powerful, man. I know he's probably like, "I'm here yeah, for dinner." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here for dinner, kid. Take it easy. But about a year later, they did get married. Mm. Oh wow! And he was ex-military. I was in the wedding. 
really nice guy. Like if anybody asked about him, like they're like, oh, he's just such a polite, great guy. And he was. He taught me a lot about manners. Um, very nice until he drank. And then when he drank, he drank very heavily. And when he drank heavily, he got pretty darn violent. So it wasn't uncommon, you know, to be hit, to be pushed, to be punched. My mom and him would go at it. Cops were called at our house pretty often. It was pretty crazy. And every year that they were married, because they were married for five years, they got divorced when I was 10, it just got progressively worse and worse and worse. And I'll never forget when they got divorced. And I was like, I was kind of devastated. But at the same time, I was like relieved. I was like, man, there's no more craziness mm -hmm. that's going to happen. And I haven't, I haven't seen him since. In fact, I found out about seven years ago he passed away. Oh, man. And it was because I got served papers like this lady came to my door and she's like, are, are you Larry Hagner? And I said, yeah, well, she's like, you're the only heir of Joe Hagner. So you have this house. Oh, and wow. it was just this, I mean, he lived in like uh, this horrible neighborhood and the house wasn't worth, worth anything. I just turned it over to the city. Wow. But anyway, uh, fast forward two years later, I was 12. I had never met my biological father and I won't get into the details just for sake of time, but I ran into him. Like, Larry, you flew all the way here from St. Louis, yeah. buddy. We got as much time as yeah, you need, pal. Yeah, true, yeah. True. yeah, so I, it was kind of weird. Um, I knew his name because he has the same name I do. And I, that was all I knew. And his wife was coming up to this rec center that I was playing basketball at to pay for ice time because he was a hockey player at the time. He just played for fun. And I heard the guy behind the desk say, here comes Mrs. Boyd. And I was like, that's kind of weird. That's not a very common name. I was like, what's her husband's name? I'm 12. And he's like, Larry. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's probably my father. So I went up to this lady, just random 12-year-old kid. I just go up to this lady. I was like, who are you married to? And she's like, looks at me, and she tells me. And I was like, I, I think he's my dad. Oh. And she just looked at me like, are you Larry? And I was, and dude, like both of us, I think turned pale white. Oh, wow. She, yeah. And she was very kind. And she goes, would you like to talk to him? And I was like, I, I would love to. So we go around the corner there's a payphone, puts quarter in and she's like, yeah, um, your son's here. He'd like to talk to you. She hands me the phone and I hear his voice. I mean, it's something about being 12. You've never met your biological father. You hear his voice on the other end. He was very humbled. I could tell like it was a lot. And he's like, well, yeah, how are you? Like, how's your life? You know, he didn't know what to say. All right. So then we hung out for like six months. How many 12-year-olds would take advantage of that situation yeah. and have the yeah, have the the wherewithal. maturity and the wherewithal to, to make that call? That's crazy, man. You're not built like the average 12-year-old. I think I was just very curious, yeah. like so curious. And plus, like I, you know, two years went by. Frankie was very curious when he was 13, but completely, it's a whole other subject we'll talk about later. <laughs> Roger's built like a 12-year-old. <laughs> this guy ran eight miles in the middle of the night when he was 13 to meet a girl and lose his virginity. Yeah, yeah. That's a true story. Yeah. It sounds worth it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'd run eight miles, you know. Like, I was a fat kid, so I'd probably have to walk it. Were yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Go back. No, that's all right. So we, we kind of, we had this relationship. He had a two-year-old son, another one on the way, and we had, like, this, uh, this relationship for a while. And the best way I can describe it was it started great, and then it was probably, like, I don't know, two months before it sort of ended, I could just tell something was straining him. I mean, you guys, have you ever dated a girl and you knew, like, she's not into me anymore? I just feel it. It's happened to Frankie a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I could just tell, like, he was kind of, like, pulling the fade away or, like, yeah. something was really heavy on his heart or something. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't exactly remember how the last conversation went for us, but I know it just went something like, this is a difficult time for me. Um, and this is hard and it's very complicated. And I don't remember really what was said. I just remember that was, that was it. Mm -hmm. And we went our separate ways. That was, that was devastating. And, you know, I, I kind of gave up, I think at that point, like I was in eighth grade the next year, I failed eighth grade. I got all F's. I gained a lot of weight. Um, my mom continued to date, you know, she got married again when I was about 17. I'll fast forward till I was 30. Um, I'm in a Starbucks in St. Louis. I'm in my first job, um, out of co well, I'm second job out of college, and I'm sitting there for a business meeting. And who comes walking in for his morning coffee? But my father. I saw that. And yeah, yeah I hadn't seen him in 18 years. And I was sitting there with a coworker, and I was like, "You'll never guess who just walked in." She's like, "Who?" And I was like, "See that guy over there? That's that's my father." He didn't see you. No. Wow. And uh, she's like, "Like the one, like." you know, your, your real dad and like the 12 year old thing. And I was like, yeah, that's him. She's like, what are you going to say? And I was like, nothing. Like <laughs> there's nothing to say. I'm 30 years old. I'm married. I'm having to, what am I going to go say to him? Mm -hmm. She didn't even blink an eye. She just got up and walked right over to him. And I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, like what, what is she doing? And I'm sitting there and I see the two of them talking and I could read his lips and he, I heard, I saw him say, where is he? And he started looking around and then our eyes met, and I was just like, "Man, did she kind of overstep her boundaries there a little? Do you think, or no? Were you guys that close?" She was a good friend of mine. Okay, um, we worked together. Uh, she was one of those. I, I didn't really talk about my dad and that experience very yeah. often, but like I was friends with her. Like my wife and I were friends with her. That's and her an husband. extremely personal situation, yeah. and she just kind of took. I don't know how well you knew each other. You know, that's we knew each other well. That that yeah. was part of her personality. Okay, though. she was just like, "Okay, boom, we're going." Wow, and. Um, I just sat there and he just like got up, came over, we talked and, uh, I wasn't nice, but I wasn't pleasant. I was just kind of indifferent. And he's like, we should get together for breakfast sometime. And I'm like, I was like, well, here's my card. If you want to get together, you know, okay. But you don't have to like, let's do lunch. You right. know? And I think it was probably two or three hours. And I got this huge email, like just, I've always regretted not being a part of your life on and on and on. And so we got together. Here we are 15 years later. And I know you asked about the Good Dad Project, but like my childhood was crazy. I won't get into all the details of all the marriages and the toxic men. My mom always was with a man who was a big drinker. He was abusive. The only thing that changed was the guy's face and name. Yeah. Just They just kept coming through. So when I became a father, I was like, I'm going to do this differently. You know, I'm going to have a great marriage. I'm going to be a great dad. And I wasted six years doing it completely wrong. I was really into my career. I was into fitness. I was into my hobbies. And I kind of like was like, yeah, I'm not so good at that. And I'll just kind of keep that over here. Like maybe on paper at a 30,000 foot view, it looked like I was doing okay, but I wasn't. And my four-year-old, who's now 13, stepped out of line one night and I spanked him. And I spanked him so hard he hit the ground. And I was, I'm not the type of dad who hits or spanks. It was, it was a moment of just lost my patience. He hit the ground and I went to pick, I was like, oh, oh crap. Like, and I go to pick him up and he looked at me like I was a monster. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. And I saw, I didn't see my son. I saw myself and I was like, holy crap. I exactly what I'm setting out to do. Yep. I'm doing the opposite. Yep. So I went in my office and you asked where a good dad project came from. I'm in my office and I do what every adult does when they have a bad moment. I go out on Facebook. 
Cause you know, that's what we do. Right? <laughs> Valid- get on Facebook. Validation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get on Facebook and I'm just scrolling. I'm, I'm emotional. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And I see this button that said, create a page. And I hit that button and I don't know what it was. Just good dad project came out. I was the project. I was the good dad project. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing mm-hmm. and I'm sick and tired of not knowing what to do. And if I'm going to change the pattern and change how I was raised, I've got, I've got to figure this out. So I was just like, I'll just post things here. I'll learn something new every day. I didn't do it for a following. I didn't do it for anything other than like, I'm just going to learn something and post it here. That turned into a blog, 2015, turned into a podcast, a book. And then now six years later and it's dad edge. It's been dad edge now for three years. And, but that's how it all started. It started with a really bad moment. That's yeah. Yeah. It's um, sometimes pivotal moments like that can, can go either way. I'm, I'm so happy that it, that it went this way, you know? Sometimes that can be the start of a downward spiral and, uh, you know, a learned behavior and, and, you know, I mean, that, that happens often, you know, so. Well, it's like, you know, it's like they say the, uh, the dad that has, or the kid that has, uh, or a dad has two sons, one drinks, one doesn't drink, you know, they, one, why do you drink? Well, right. my dad does, why do you drink? Well, I don't want to be like my dad, right. you know, you kind of, I mean, I, you know, I, I, my parents got divorced and my dad was, my real dad was a drinker and so I kind of had that, that story too, but, uh. My mother remarried a good dude, you know, and he became a big, you know, part of my life as, as a father figure. But, uh, yeah, I, I've definitely had some of those stories as well, you know. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, I mean, I look back on all that, though, and I'm sure I'm sure you guys do, too. I honestly think that, for the most part, I think parents do the best they can with what they have. Right. And they just... You know, they they just they they try their hardest, and I think unfortunately sometimes demons get the best of us, mm-hmm. and we do things that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's I think if you can just learn a thing or two Correct. about patience and communication and connection and not being in your own way, mm. that's another big one, right? Because sometimes the 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 enemy that beats us up the most is the one that's between our two ears, you know. Yeah, I think the 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 will to recognize your mistakes has to be there and yeah. and admit, hey, I did this wrong, and I the 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 want and the will to learn how to do things better because there's no no perf- perfect parent, right? There's no, yeah. it doesn't exist. You know, that's a utopia that that just literally does not exist. We 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 do the best we can. Most of us do, and and we all make mistakes. I I make mistakes all the time as a dad, but I definitely have the want to do better, you know, and I think if that's there, we can all learn and and grow. And, you know, as I said before, there's not a lot of um, places you can go that are dedicated to it. I think, I think in, 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 you know, I I don't want to paint with a broad stroke here, but a lot of times dads don't get a fair shake, you know, and how pivotal and important their role is in a child's life, you know? So um, that's good that some dads have a place to go now and turn to and look at and maybe get some some perspective or some advice that they wouldn't be able to get otherwise, you know, at at the Good Dad Project, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, we're uh, we're just a bunch of group. We're a huge group of imperfect knuckleheads. Yeah, you yeah. Know, but we're we're hungry. Right. I think that's the biggest difference is if you're hungry to do things differently, hungry to do things better, and you're willing to learn. Like one thing, I mean, I I know you guys can probably relate to this, but like. Every guy, every conversation, good, fine, yeah, busy. Yeah. Like no one wants to talk about like some of the things they're going through. No one wants to talk about like, man, I lost my crap on my kids the other night. 
like my wife and I haven't had sex in three months. Like we're not really talking. We're not really dating. Like work is stressing me out. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm good. I'm busy though. Like that's, that's, that's like the answers for everything. Well, it's awkward to answer, especially most people that, that ask what, you know, how are you? How you been? I haven't seen you. It's in passing. And how much time do you really, you're walking in a Wawa, somebody you know is walking out and you uh, most people bullshit. You don't have time to really be like, well, you know, listen, I just went through a, right. a, a you know, horrible situation or somebody in my family is sick or I got laid. You don't, you know, so you're right. Most people just say, oh, doing great. You know, yeah. doing great. They just give the standard answer. And Roger's not going to be like, ah, you know, fucking my ED is just killing me. <laughs> <laughs> the next sponsor is. <laughs> <laughs> We talk about that on here, buddy. Yeah. yeah. You've been helping me with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that how he got the black eye? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, guys, you know, guys are, they just don't want to share their feelings and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, no one is, uh, no, you know, it's women have each other and they have the talk shows and all this dudes, you know, it's good to, to bro talk. That's kind of what we do down here. We, we do. Have we our really. Bro talks yeah. And, yeah. And uh, it's good to kind of just get it out a little bit. But you obviously focusing on being a dad and and that aspect I think is big for a lot of kids, a lot of lot of lot of dudes out there. Um, we were both guests on your show, and I know yeah. you dug into our our lives. Let's dig into your life a little bit. You're a dad of four boys. Last um, time I counted, yeah, could be more. <laughs> I think ages from four to fourteen. Am I? Yeah. Well, the one just turned five. Okay. Uh, yeah, and the other one will be fifteen at the end of this okay. month, wow. and, the end of March. So yeah. And as we talked about a little bit in our interview, when when I was on your show, three of the four are have special needs, and yep. yeah, we didn't. Um, you know, I wasn't interviewing on that. Is that is that anything? I mean, you asked me. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. my son Grayson obviously has an autism diagnosis, and we got into that a little bit. Um, you want to talk about yeah. you know your your boys and and what's going on there and and how you deal with with their um, special needs? Uh, we just we just hit them. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. No, you know it it started with my with my oldest uh, and that it, when it's your oldest and especially for a while when it's your only you're like oh my gosh like what's going what is this kid's life going to look like? Mm. And so my oldest you know he's going to be 15 and he did not walk or crawl until he was two. Yeah. So we were like really worried about him and he wouldn't eat. So like, we're like, what, what is going on? You know? And we, t- we took him to the neurologist and they're like, Oh, well he might have this and cystic fibrosis and all this other stuff, all these words and these things that mm-hmm. you just scare the crap out of you. And then like one was like, yeah, he's really kind of on the autism spectrum. Like he's really not interacting. He doesn't have a whole lot of physicality to him. He's not walking. He can't hold himself up. So at two years old we had to get him occupational therapy we had to get him physical therapy and we had to get him he had uh, texture issues with certain foods that's why he wasn't eating so we didn't know that so a year and a half of just therapy after therapy after therapy he really started to come around he fast forward now till he's 15 he's really come a long way um, he isn't the most athletic kid but he is an incredible musician like he'll watch a YouTube video and then just yeah. he can play his electric guitar. I'm like, who are you? Like right. that is awesome, crazy. Man. He's running track now, which is great, and he's really into fitness now and working out. He still has an IEP, which is that individual education program. So like for like math and reading and some of the things he's he has like more smaller smaller group classes, but he's thriving. And I think part of the reason he's thriving was because we 
we did intervention early on. That's key. It's so it, crucial. It I don't think people understand that enough, but for, from, from a dad that's been there and lived through it, also another dad over here, early intervention is key. And I, and I will give Grayson's mom a lot of credit for, for doing that. I think yeah. dad's, you know, my attitude kind of at the time was, eh, he's, he'll be fine. He'll, he's going to grow into it. He's a late bloomer. And, you know, so, um, you know, I, I, truth be told, I got to give mom credit for that. She's the one that wanted to bring him in. So, you know. You know what's cool about that, though, is, she might have started it right and yeah. she'll still support it but it's you know you and i have talked and you, you're on you're so on board with that mm-hmm. and you're going to just continue to support him one of the coolest things that i took from which by the way your show the the you know this week as we're recording your show launched and i love the fact that you don't label him mm-hmm. and i'll never forget like when we were going through that early on like my stepmom she's she's very keyed into parenting that kind of thing and when we were going through stuff like that with my oldest, she's like, be yeah. very careful of labels. Like, Remember don't, you said that, yeah. yeah. And that really stuck with me. Yeah. Like, if you don't label them, and I love how you, you treat Grayson like, no, he's my son. Isn't, and- it, isn't it funny, though, to, to a degree that if you don't label, you sort of get labeled. I, I get labeled as a dad because I don't label my son as a denial dad, which I am not. My son has a, has a autism diagnosis. I was there. Every time he went, you know, for all his meetings with Children's Specialized Hospital, I was there for every one of them. So I was part of his diagnosis. I was there for it. I'm not in denial. I just don't see the benefit of labeling him. Therefore, I don't. You'll never see me post the word autism. You'll never see me. But I'm not a denial dad. He he has an autism. You know, he has a, a diagnosis of autism. Whatever I can do to make that to help him, and and what I'll go to the ends of the earth to do that. But I don't need to advertise it or walk around and tell everybody or use it as a crutch or, you know, to get him preferential treatment. I feel this is just my feeling. And this, again, not a broad stroke of the brush because everybody's different. As we all know, the autism spectrum is huge. It's humongous. So different applications for different children, of course. But for me, I think the best thing that I do with him is to treat him exactly like I treat a sister. There's nothing I wouldn't do with either one of them. I'd do the exact same thing with both of them, and I'll continue to do that, you know? I think that's that's the best thing you can do. I mean, it's um, because at the end of the day, you know, they are still human. They're still Mm -hmm. a kid. They're just, they have something that is challenging them, right? Something just different. But, you know, we can provide support, you know, resources, all kinds of things, you know, that that will help them along. My 13-year-old... You know, he deals with anxiety, which if you look at him like on the outside, makes good grades, great looking kid, super strong, built, you know, plays football. But he deals with some anxiety demons. Right. And and so do I. Yeah. He probably gets that from me. Same. Me and, too, yeah. 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 And then now my seven year old just got a, a recent diagnosis for Tourette's. He has tics. So he'll sit there and he he does this like with his hands and like kind of like always jerks and and um so we're trying to get him some early intervention and i'm glad we're starting early because they're like yeah we really don't deal with this until they're like eight so i've been researching and like when i see him do it i'll just kind of like rub his back and i'm like hey let's do some let's do some deep breathing and he'll just kind of close his eyes and be like 
and it'll just kind of it'll just kind of subside for a minute. So I'm just trying to teach him awareness. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or not. None of us do. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. You know, it's give it's bringing him awareness and it's it's calming him down right. and he's able to self soothe without it getting. Dude, out of I'm I'm, re- I'm reading a book about breathe by uh, I think James Nestor maybe. It's I mean breathing could fix a lot of things. You should check that book out. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, for all of us, yeah, right? And uh, but yeah, I mean, I just for the application, I'm sure it, it could be a big, big part yeah. of meditation, right? I yeah. mean, breathing, breathing is, is yeah. yeah, but yeah. uh, like yeah, this guy, this guy broke down breathing pretty crazy. I'm sure he'll be breathing through our nose what, what, and stuff. Was it the Wim, 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 Wim Hof? Hof? Yeah, he's, he's another yeah. breathe guy, yeah. yeah, but this guy, like, he studied Wim Hof, he studied a bunch of people, it's pretty interesting stuff, I think. Jim Nestor is the same guy who works with Mark Divine with Unbeatable Mind. Like he does the box breathing and, and yeah, all that. box like, breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we went to uh, one of Mark's uh, retreats, and he was one of the speakers, and he talked about you know the importance of, of breath control and breathing yeah. and activating the parasympathetic parasympathetic mm-hmm. parasympathetic nervous system. If I can only talk, right, right. the rest and digest and calming yourself yeah. the down. Vagus nerve, right? Is that part yeah. of it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll teach this on there. <laughs> I just think we live in a society that is so um, adapted to putting your kids on medication, and we really need to get away from that. I mean, this, this diet can control so much. Mm. Breathing is another wonderful treatment for things like anxiety and things like that. I mean, there's so much you can do. Your body is a powerful tool, right? Like it can do so much. You just have to find the avenues to go down to release these things. But today they're just like, well, ADD, put them on. Put them on Ritalin, you know, and it's yep. it's a horrible thing, man, you know. It is. My oldest was on Focalin, which is for ADHD, and they thought that would help him with his IEP, and that's a lot of acronyms as I say that. Yeah. But we took him off that, and the funny thing was is he did better without it. We're, we we focused more on trying to teach him how we bring awareness to how he learns because he learns differently. And then the same thing with my 13-year-old. Um he was we fought it for a long time we we put him in counseling he was in counseling for a year and the counselor was like look you know he really could use some medication and if, mm-hmm. if i'm his dad i would put him on zoloft and i'm like that's yeah. that's crazy mm-hmm. and we fought that for about a good six months and then we were like okay let's try this and that actually made him worse wow. and every time we went in there we're like it's not really helping like it's like these symptoms are actually, and then they would just up the dose. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know, do you guys know who Dr. Daniel Amen is? I do not. Mm-hmm. He he wrote the book, uh, Change Your Life, Change Your Brain. Um, I think I heard the book. He's, he's in a, he's, he came on as a guest, and after we were done with the interview, I, I, I was like, hey, do you have a minute? And I told him about Mason. He's like, well, first of all, I would never put an 11-year-old on yeah, Zoloft. Right. He's like, bring him in. You know, We'll take a look at him. He's like, he doesn't have depression. He has anxiety. Yeah. He shouldn't even be on this. It's making his symptoms worse. So they took him off that, and now he's on a supplement. He's doing great. Good, great. So, yeah, but it's my personal experience with being on medication, heavy meds. Went through, you know, no secret. Went through a shitty divorce and went on some um, heavy antidepressants, and uh, and I have nothing good to say about it. It didn't help me in yeah. any meaningful other than being like a horse tranquilizer and maybe knocking me out. So I got a few hours of sleep at night because I wasn't sleeping. Other than that. There was no benefit, and and I came off at cold turkey, which we've talked about on the show. It's not yeah. not a. I don't recommend doing that either. But uh, yeah, I I am not a medication guy, you know. At yeah, all. me neither. Yeah, I don't like it either. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Exercise too. I agree. Yeah, yeah. that's a big thing. 
in this crazy world we live in, they were, you know, shutting essentially. I mean, you know, things are kind of opening up now, but I mean, for a long period of time, it was hard to exercise. And Frankie's going to correct me and say, you can do pull-ups, you can go run, which is true. But gyms were down, which is where most people go get their exercise, you know, and it's crazy, you know, and it just added, I'm sure, dynamically to depression and anxiety and suicide rates. And it was it was incredibly sad, you know, things, like I said, are starting to open up more and more. And I think, you know, hopefully we can resume some semblance of a normal life yeah. again. But, uh, you know, I think that starts with things like exercising and, yeah. you know. Well, like, Tino, he's definitely got ADHD, 100%. And but it works to his benefit in many well, yeah, ways. yeah, because he's an animal. Right. You know, he's into, he's into things. But, uh, like, days he doesn't wrestle, I'm like, dude, you, go, you got to go run a treadmill or something. Just because yeah. it's too much. Kate, like, I get I'm that way, too. I'm like him. Like, sometimes when no one's home and I'm, I'm, I'm at energy, I'll, I'll start yelling, singing. And I hear him doing I'm like, damn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> but again, the pro to that is he's an absolute killer on the, yeah. you know, when he's when he's on the wrestling mat. So they're, they're, you just have to harness it. You have to figure out a way to harness it, you know? Right, right. right. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is I think a lot of guys out there think that your fitness and your family is two separate worlds. Mm -hmm. And I work out with my kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still work out without them. I wait, I start my day every morning at four, 4 a.m. I saw your regiment. I was like, yeah. Jesus, this four guy five. I was like, is he, is he bullshitting? Does he no, really man. get up at four o'clock? That's crazy, bro. I do because if I don't pick up my workout partner by four twenty-five, I, I I'll give you a out. lot of props. I'm not Thanks. a morning workout guy. I did it for a bit. I think I did it when my kids were really young because yeah. I could come right home from work and I could help with them. I was going at like when they were still sleeping. I would get to the gym at like five in the morning and it was miserable. I yeah. do not like working out early, but I did it for a while. Give you a lot of props, man. You're going a full hour earlier than I was. So, it, you know, I, I like it though. It's the scary thing. But um, my kids on the weekends though, and at least one day during the week, will go and do some sort of fitness related activity. So, Saturdays and Sundays, I'll usually work out with, with, we call them the bigs and the littles. I'll work out with the bigs. And then um, one day during the week, like when they get home from school, we'll go run on the track. But like three times a week, you know, I'm getting active with them, which yeah. which is a lot of fun. And now even my seven-year-old, it's hilarious. He's like, when, when can we work out? And it, we'll grab like mom's like little pig dumbbells and yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. get in the garage for That's a minute. Awesome. You know, so things like that. But I, I think you can, and you're right, it's a huge stress reliever for, for kids and Mental health, I mean, for them, it, when I see them active, and they actually work out at a gym that caters more to their age. Um, it's an F45 gym yep. that um, they go to class like twice a week, and their mental health, when they get done with that, they could have the worst day, and they come home, and they're like, oh, man, I feel so much better. Yeah. Tired. That's truly why I work out more so than muscles you know i mean yeah. listen when i was in my late 20s and 30 i would i was trying to get muscles to go out the club now i i like the i wouldn't call it a euphoric feeling yeah, the sure. good feeling the euphoric i guess to a degree your body's I feel releasing a, a cabinoid when i leave you know i yeah. feel yeah. accomplished when i yeah. leave the gym you know even though it might be a battle to open that door and get in there when i leave i'm like i i did something i'm you know i i, I did something that maybe most people don't do and and it, it's benefiting, you know, my physical <laughs> health and my emotion. Huh? Towel you... down, George. <laughs> <laughs> See, what that add mean? that highlight reel. Put that on the highlight reel. <laughs> our our video editor is making a highlight reel of all Frankie's insults to me, and it is long and it is vast. <laughs> <laughs> you heard Tino. You heard yeah. Tino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tino. His son roasted me. 
His friggin' son was roasting me. What, what did he Seven say? year old. Uh, what did you say? Oh, he said, oh, all, of, all the jokes are either I'm, I'm gay or I'm old. <laughs> Tina goes, so you're both. <laughs> <laughs> How is old is he? Seven? seven? Ten. He's ten. ten. Yeah, yeah, he's nailed ten. me. He yeah. nailed me. Oh, that's good. Him. Got me. He's, he's yeah. going to be fiery. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's already pissed with that one. Yeah. yeah. My daughter, too. All of them. All is it, of them. Is it crazy it is. how you can have, I mean, I see it with Frankie's family. You probably see it with mine a little bit. You can have, you know, two. I have two children. You have four. You have three. So we're all, you know, so uh, diversity here. Raised in the exact same house by the same parents, and their personalities are polar opposites. It's crazy. It's great. My sister yeah. and I, yeah. you know, I only have one sibling, but growing up, we were polar opposites in every way. And it's, you're raised by the same parents. It's not like different rules applied for my sister than applied. It was the same standard rules, but it's just your genetic build. You know, yeah. you just you you just you're just different, and right. that's that's part of the complexity and the challenge of being a parent. Is this kid is not going to be an exact duplicate of this kid? They're going to be different problems, different emotional issues, different you know scenarios you're going to come across. Completely different, and uh, keep showing your toes for sure. It does, you know, it's a fascinating topic, too, is like how you go about guiding them, parenting them just a little bit different depending on their right. personality. Correct, yeah. So like, I'm sure like you probably you've got three. So yeah. you probably go about each one of them just yeah. a little bit differently. You got. Yeah, you got to do them a little different. I mean, sometimes you have to still rain the same way, though, too. You know, so yeah. things don't be like, oh, why do you do this with that one? Yeah. Yeah. You got to kind of keep it fair. But yeah, you got to approach it differently with each one. For you sure. Do. Yeah. yeah. You know, my my oldest is definitely different than my middle. My daughter is kind of a combination of both. You know, so like, what do you what do you find, Larry, is your 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 biggest like daily struggle with with being a dad? Like, what, is there anything in particular that like, you know, is is something that you literally have to deal with every day that that might be a little bit of a struggle for you with with just fatherhood in general? How much time we got? Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got a laundry list. Um, so. I'm really big with my morning routine. If I, if I don't do that, I, I'm usually, <laughs> I don't show up the same way. Uh, so I would say a big struggle for me, especially with the COVID thing, like, man, it's like <laughs> when you're on a podcast and you're, you know, talking to a guest or you're facilitating a mastermind or you're on a coaching call, helping out another guy and your kid comes in, you're in the office and you're like, Hey man, not right now. I'm trying to, help this dude out and I need to deal with you later. It's like the biggest imposter syndrome thing in the world. Right. Or like I just, I launched a course on creating more patience, like how to help men like actually sharpen the skill of being more patient with their kids. And the week that I launched that I was blowing up every night. I'm like, I'm such an imposter, but I would say, um, so dinner time, that's a big time of day for me. Cause usually what I've done all day is I've, I've been up since four. I've poured into everybody else, a lot of energy into the podcast or coaching men, or we've got five, almost 600 guys in our mastermind. And when I get to dinner, I'm like, okay, I just, I want a peaceful, awesome, everybody's happy right. meal. Like that's when I co when I go in with that expectation, I set myself up for disaster. <laughs> so yeah. funny. You said that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. because the reality is, my dinner table is a shit show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If my kids show up with pants, <laughs> it's a good night. Yeah. I mean, like there is chaos that ensues. And if here's the thing, like the other night I was talking about this on a podcast. The other night I was getting annoyed and I was like, oh my, God, I just want peace. I just want everybody. I don't want to hear fighting. And I just closed my eyes and I was like, I have a choice right now. I can either 
appreciate the fact that I can hear all of their voices. And I can appreciate the fact that I hear little voices over here and I hear ones that are kind of going through puberty and their voices are cracking over here because in 15 years of this house is going to be quiet. It is going to be silent and silence is loud. Yeah, it is. And so I can either appreciate this or I can just sit here and be annoyed. But the choice is mine. And that's, that is my struggle sometimes is like, this is happening. It's making me mad. I'm like, no, I'm making me mad. Like I need to choose what it what lens I'm looking through. So that's a huge struggle yeah. for me sometimes. It just happened to me. It's funny you said that when you sort of set yourself up for the the perfect day with your kids. Or it's never. It's never gonna be that way. You know, I did it I did it Wednesday. Um I worked, obviously. I, I work a normal job and um I had to meet um their mom and my daughter at cheer school, which is in Freehold, you know, it's a little bit of a ride. It's like forty five minute ride. But I had it all planned out in my head. And it's, it was an overnight for me. It was a Wednesday overnight for me. So I had it all planned out. I was like, okay, I'm going to go there. I'll be there at 5.30. Um, we're not allowed in, but it was a competition. So you were allowed in for like the last 20 minutes. Um, my girlfriend, Danielle, was going to meet me there. She had a client up north, but she was going to get out just in time. But the timing was going to be perfect. Well, she was going to meet me there. We were going to get to ke- check the competition out. You know, I was just going to hang out with my son in the car, maybe get a bite to eat before because she's there for two hours. Um, Danielle was meeting me. Then we we're going to go home. I was going to get him bass. We were going to pick up food on the way home, pick up some sushi. And, you know, I was going to get Grace and chicken tenders. He loves chicken tenders and stuff and get him bathed. And then I was going to read him a book. And I, they, they like their iPad. So I always say, you know, if it's not too late, I'll, you can watch it for 15 minutes. So I had it all laid out. It was like the perfect night. And the reason I wanted it laid out perfectly is because now they're going to be with their mother. They're going away. They're going on a trip. And I'm not going to see them for over a week, which kills me. You know, so I, I was like, I'll make it the most epic, perfect night. We'll read a book. We'll snuggle or, you know, and the fucking wheels fell off, man. The <laughs> wheels just right. fucking fell off. So I got them in the tub and they were all excited. and They're running around and, they, you know, I got the book picked out. You know, we got a stack of books, a book I hadn't read, got it all picked out. Um, they're kind of playing a little bit. They got out of the tub. I got them in their PJs. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, all right, Melania has school tomorrow. Got to be in bed by a certain time, but still time to... Give them their 15 minutes, plus I'll read the book first. So, you know, they get some educational stuff. And, you know, I feel like I'm fulfilling my role. They're learning a little bit and stuff. And like the per- and then they, they were playing, and they ran into the bedroom, and I heard Milani. I'm folding laundry. I heard the hair still wet from the tub. So I hear Milani blocking the door and telling Grayson that he's got to tell her the secret password for her to let him out. Well, he just fucking welts her with the iPad. He just fucking smashes her. <laughs> so then, and, and I, I don't tolerate that. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So then I'm like, so then I rip the door open. I go in, I rip the book out, out of her hand. I grab the iPad out of here. And I said, now you go to bed with no book and no iPad. And I, I still feel like, cause that's how my mom ruled. You know what I mean? My mom ruled right. with an iron fist and my mom was a good mom. You know, I still feel like it was the right thing to do, but I couldn't help but to feel this this guilt like shit that goes my perfect night that I had planned. It was going to be the perfect night. Now, now both kids are crying. I'm laying in bed between two kids that are hysterically crying. They didn't get to read the book. They're going to wake up mad at daddy. Like I was like, fuck. And then I just felt guilty, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it, it almost got worse today. Like I worked all day today. I went to uh, get a haircut, obviously, after work. Um, and OJ. Uh, Pedro is telling me, do you, you remember OJ that yeah, used to yeah, be his manager? Yeah, oh, OJ is, he's on hospice care. He's 35 what? years Wait, old. What? OJ is no on, way. He's on hospice Why? care. He has, and I, I actually had wow. Pedro text it to me because I knew I was never going to remember the name of it. He has something called 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I think he just posted some recent. Uh, AVM. It's called AVM. Never knew he had it. Had a stroke because of it. Had a blood clot. Had a stroke. Anyway, um, went to the hospital. Spent nine months in the hospital at Jersey Shore. Nine months in a hospital bed. They finally get him to go home well enough. He's not doing great. Lost a ton of weight. Finally get him well enough to, to go home. He's home for less than a week. Develops a, a uh, infection in his blood and goes right back in. Now he's he's like on life support, essentially. That hit me so hard about time and... I went, sat in the car, got a little choked up, and I recorded myself, sent it to my ex, just telling my kids I love them. I'm like, I hope you have fun with mommy. You know, like I made this video and said, you know, time is precious. I want you guys to know I love you. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. Life is so, is so fragile, and you should realize it more, you know? Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bro, he's 35 years old. <laughs> no, no, that's, and he's the nicest that's guy crazy. ever. Yeah. He's the nicest guy. No, super guy. good guy. He's yeah. kids too, man. Yeah, three kids, yeah. yeah. And Pedro's the godfather to one of his kids. Yeah. Man, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, very sad. But it just it, it, like I had not you know, like in a like a moment. I was like, my God, man. Not that I not that I thought I acted poorly, you know, not that I I not that I even lost my temper. I think I did the right thing, but I was just like, shit, I can't get that moment back. My perfect night didn't work out the way I would hope my perfect night did and I just, you know, just shot him a little quick video, and you know, they know Daddy loves him, and I can't wait to see him again as soon as they get back, yeah. you know. And we'll we'll do it again, you know. We'll get the book ready again. You, you know what's so cool about that opportunity, though, is that, like, I, I I joke about it, but I'm serious. Like, I apologize more in my house than I ever thought I would. Yeah. And like, so the, the cool thing about screwing up, like, because I, I just had this conversation with my 13 year old because he and I got into a pretty bad argument over the weekend. He's been doing this thing where he's sneaking his Chromebook into his room and watching TikTok. And we're like, listen, man, no electronics in your room. With, it just doesn't happen. And he's knowingly breaking the rules right now. And I was so pissed off because he. this is like the third time in a week. And I'm like, what do you not understand? Like, this is serious, man. Like, like, look, this is. it's not about watching TikTok on your Chromebook. It's about you sneaking, being dishonest, and then lying right, about it. Right, right, That's right. the problem. Yeah. I was like... And I gave him the lecture on trust, and I just, I blew up at him. And then I <laughs> I did I did the adult thing where I took all of his brothers to bowling. They all went to go bowling, and I'm like, "You're staying here." And he's like, "What are you talking, dude? It was my idea. Like I wanted to go. Like, and I'm like, "Yeah, sorry." Yeah. And there was that part of me that I was like, right. I wanted him to suffer. Right. Mm. Right. And it it just pissed me off so much. Then he calls me when I'm on the way to bowling. He's like, dad, dad, let me explain. I was like, no, you, you're not explaining anything. And I went, I just yelled and I hung up on him and he texted me. And this is a 13 year old kid. And he goes, why would you hang up on me? I would never hang up on you. I just wanted to ask you a question. And I'm like, hit you hard. Didn't it? I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. He, in this very moment for a minute, he is the father and I'm acting yeah, like yeah. a child. It's crazy. So I came back home. After we went bowling and my wife put him to work, he had chores to do. Like, I mean, he, he did have to pay consequences and I went up to him and I hugged him and I'm like, thank you for calling me out. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was like, look, we can both agree that you were not in the right here. Right. He's like, yes, I know. I'm sorry. I was like, I am sorry. I was like, I should never have hung up on you. I was very angry. That's not an excuse. I should not have hung up on you. I apologize for yelling at you the way I did because I was I was pretty I was pretty pissed off and I hugged him and I'm like look 
we still need to figure this out. Okay. Like you can't keep doing these things. I was like, but that the way I handled it and the way I hung up on you, I'm sorry about that. And here's what I can tell you about having like, well, your, your oldest is 10, uh, 12, 12. So the one thing that's been cool about that is like, and I would say it's only happened like in the past year, especially my, my 13 year old, my 15 year old is that they own things pretty darn well. Like they say they're sorry. You know, they, they're not like, no, it wasn't my fault. It's so-and-so or this happened. They're like, yeah, I did this. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty good ownership. So like, the cool thing about having a bad moment, I think, as a father is like you can give the example of humility and ownership sure. by doing it. Because okay. I, I don't know how you guys were raised, but like mom was never wrong. The guys that she was with, they were never wrong. Even if they were wrong, they're like, well, we're the parents, you're the kid. Yeah. You know, you're wrong. I'm right. I, we, we just don't do that. You know, mm -hmm. we, we call it like it is. Yeah. 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 So. Probably a good way. No, I think you, you know, I was always taught as a kid, you respect your elders. I think as a general yeah. rule, that's a good, that's a, that's a good, um, you know, moral code to give your kids. But, uh, in my house, my mom was definitely the disciplinarian. Yeah. My dad, um, you know, my dad said, go talk to your mother, <laughs> you know, basically. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. My patience is definitely then dealing with this fun guy every night. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, my patience, I, I definitely have short patience, you know, yeah. but I, you, you learn. Like I'm actually better with my daughter than I am my boys. I noticed right? that. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. You're so you got a soft spot. Yeah, Frankie Edgar has a soft spot. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Talk talk to talk about that for a minute. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think with the boys is it's uh, you're raising a man. You know, you're yeah. trying to raise a man. Well, my daughter and, and and too like I'm only, like my wife's not the biggest disciplinary, so I feel like I haven't had to be the disciplinary. And then I'm like, oh, I'm the like one yelling at these kids all the time. You know, so my, my daughter, I'm like, listen. You could. I'm not yelling at her. I'll yell at them. You could yell at her. Mm. Now we're gonna have a monster on our hands, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know she she's 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 so much easier at least at this stage. I hear when they get older, they're a little bit rougher. Is she seven? Is that right? She's six. Yeah. Six. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would. I. I'm with you on that one. I think like it's it's easier. To, I mean, I've got four monsters from right. time to time, and I think it's easier as a father to be harder on them because it's like hey, you're, you're we're guys, right? Yeah. But like uh, I have two nieces, and I'm like, oh my! Uh, I was like, I I would be in so much trouble. Yeah. Like right. if I had these these two daughters, like yeah. I would I'd be like, hey, whatever, yeah. whatever you yeah. want. Like I think that's how I'd be, unfortunately. But she's she's not as the she's easier. She definitely yeah. is easier right now, at least. We'll, we'll see how's it go, how it goes. My daughter is well, she's older too. So, but um, she's two years older than her brother. She's six, but. She sasses more. She's got a little bit yeah. more of a mouth on her than than her brother does. Her, Grayson's very he's kind of easier going, but um, when she looks at me, if I raise my voice at her, it freaking kills me, man. It just kills because it's my little girl. You yeah. know what I mean? So it it kills me. And um, you know, I'd love a utopian world where you don't have to yell. But you know, if my kids are running around doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, and I'm like, hey guys, knock it off. They don't even slow down. No, you know, no. they don't even look my way. But when I go, yo, knock it off, then then they're like, oh, oh, dad, yeah. dad wants us, yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, I I'm not advocating yelling, but um, it's they, the bark, yeah, yeah they, it's they, 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 the they, yeah. they get it gets a little respect, and yeah. they're like, oh, we're we're actually gonna get in trouble if we keep doing this, you know? Right. So yeah, I wish right. I wish there was a way to not yell. I wish right. that was a, a but my kids would pay me no mind. Well, I, I tell my kids like I'm like uh, we were hit with belts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. And they're like, belts? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, belts. <laughs> like, 
Would you ever do that to us? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember getting hit by a belt, but my mom spanked our butts and yeah. like spanked our butts hard. You know what I mean? I, I've never spanked my kids, and and I'm not saying that's a bad way. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anti. I'm not. You raise your kids how you you see fit, but I I just, it's just not my way. You know what I mean? It's just not not my way. So I throw I so many empty threats at my kids. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, I'm gonna kill you, and nothing ever happens. You yeah. know. Just put them in a hold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the boys, I get to wrestle. So yeah. I, I'll go to practice and I'll wrestle. Them, yeah, you know. So like, they they know the deal. You know? Yeah, <laughs> can give it to them a little bit. Now, do your boy? I mean, so seeing what you do professionally, do your boys like? If you get stern, are they like, yep, okay, no problem? Or are they like, ah, oh, it's just dad? Yeah, yeah. no, I'm just yeah. dad. They're, I see yeah. Tino they're, they're. smirking when you when you yell. Oh, yeah, I just yeah, see him yeah. smirking. Yeah. I'm like, he, oh. well, he 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 plays. He tries yeah. to play. You know, yeah. and, and I'm cool with it. I play with it too. Like, you know, I, like my dad sometimes like he would play and I would play back. and He'd get mad at me for playing back. And I'm like, yo, what's up? You're playing with me. Why? And so when I play, when I'm play mode, I'll let them play. I let them insult me, and I'm I'm not gonna come back. Like if we're not doing play mode, you can't do that. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Because my dad, my dad's, you know, Frank's. I'd be like, hey, I, I join wanna, in. He'd be like, wait, you, hey, you want to like, talk about man? a scary, <laughs> intimidating man when he yells, Big Frank, bro. Uh, yeah. he, he, bro, he gets, he goes from zero to like a hundred, bro. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. he gets, yeah. he, he yells uh, at people, and and it's scary. He's scary. All old school. He's uh, you know, on, he's a plumbing contractor on, on his own company and. Yeah, he used to be an animal. I used to work for him. I was I was in the in the union as a plumber, you know, early in my fighting career, I guess. And uh, yeah, did he, I used to did see he, him get into it with people like yeah, crazy. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm about to fight this guy. Did he, like, did he yell at you like that as a kid? Uh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming. Like, don't just stop. <laughs> don't a, just stop at work. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm assuming, but yeah. I, I met you as an adult, so yeah. I'm not gonna see yeah. it. You know? So. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's crazy. Some good. Some good ones. <laughs> I know this is your show, but I, I am curious. How did you guys meet? Mutual friends. Yeah. 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 I, wow. I I think we met through Wooza and Jesse, really, right. way back in the day, but, uh, you know, probably close to 20 years ago now. But uh, I Even used to the have, girl you dated. Um, oh, Melissa. Melissa, Melissa yeah. Cortese, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have a bad word to say about Melissa. Melissa Melissa's a, a, a good egg. But um, I had a real passion for riding motorcycles 20 I still do but 20 years ago was my thing and I was kind of big into like stunt riding and things like doing crazy tricks on bikes and stuff and he had a, a crotch rocket back then he had a uh, ZX6R CBR CBR 600 yeah. and um you know I I was living in Tom's River we had these mutual friends that knew Frankie Edgar and um you know, I, I'd met him out a few times and get, got a handshake. If he doesn't know, yeah, he's you know he he's not like oh let's hang out. You know what I mean? So I'm like, what's my in with this guy? This guy's got. We well, started teaching kind of like in a little impromptu MMA class out at, at the barn, and I was like, I'm in. I'm going because I was such a such a fan of MMA in general. I mean, I watched UFC since UFC one, but to live in the same town is like Frankie Edgar. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. So me and a couple buddies would go out there once a week and we roll and we and I had no pedigree or background and fighting at all but i'd show up every week and we do this thing and i thought it was so cool i get to train with frank yeager well sometimes i'd show up on my bike and he would show up on his bike That's so then cool. we'd leave together and i'm like now i get a chance to show this guy what i do right and that, <laughs> so i was like trying to show off and i i had a pretty bad crash right in front of him one yeah, day and, yeah. and ever much. since that crash i feel like we've been friends yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty much I almost ran over him yeah yeah because <laughs> i was showing off a little too much right, right, like right. a 12 o'clock yeah. wheelie <laughs> from ja- from Tom's River to Jackson, or Tom, or Jackson to Tom's River, so from 
town to town. Literally, 12 o'clock wheel the whole time. <laughs> this guy's too much. I but, have no idea how long that is, but it sounds yeah. like it was it was held yeah, yeah, for a while. It was yeah, it was it was yeah, in my yeah, heyday yeah. when I was when I was good, but uh, I was definitely pouring it on. I was I was pushing the envelope because I was like, no, Frank, he's watching this shit. I gotta really like let it go here, you know what I mean? So, but I ended up eating shit and yeah. kind of embarrassing myself. But ever since then, Damn. you know, we 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 remained friends. You know, yeah, so. that's cool. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. That's a good story too. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. only imagine. Yeah, I, I, I go around him before I, yeah. before I could park my bike, get off my bike, and turn around. He's already up trying to pick his bike up. Dang. I'm like, can you, what are you doing? Can he, you imagine he, he, though? And I don't remember specifically. Maybe you do. If he was training then for a fight, but I mean, he was an active fighter back then, so right. he couldn't have been. Can you imagine if I wiped out and took out Frankie Edgar yeah, and he ends up <laughs> breaking his wrist or call? You know, yeah. when he's. Uh, can you imagine the embarrassment? Like I took out my hero and he can't fight again. <laughs> can you imagine? He missed me by inches, man, by inches. So it's crazy. Oh, that is broke his collarbone, broke his wrist. We, right? pro we probably wouldn't have been friends if I took you out. <laughs> <laughs> I would have sued you. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't have got much. Uh, that's that's a cool story. I was I was I was uh, I was wondering how you guys met, started your friendship. Yeah. So that's cool. The story of the podcast. I'll keep it short because we've told it a couple times on here. But the story of the podcast was. You know, Fr Frankie and his good friend Chris Lagore. I guess they, I guess they talked about podcasts because podcasts have become very popular, and they're Frankie's a big fan of podcasts. So I guess they talked about it a little bit, and they were talking about like a good match, like if Frankie was going to do it, who who would be a good, you know, a good co-host with him. And somehow my name, I don't know how, got thrown in the mix, and um, I passed him one day on the road. He called me, and I swear this is how he said it. He'll disagree, but I swear. I swear. He's like, yo, what's up, bro? I just passed you. What are you doing, man? I was like, oh, I'm just working, you know? And he's like, hey, man, you ever thought about doing a podcast? That's how we worded it. You, no, I said, do you listen to podcasts first? He's like, ah, not really. Oh, yeah. Well, you were thinking about doing one? Or probably not. Yeah, but he never said with him. Well, so, but, I, I mean. <laughs> so I'm like. <laughs> I didn't say, you know. what? You I, basically, I basically was like. No man, never thought about it, and that was pretty much the end of the conversation. He's listen in the ring as a fighter. This guy is the biggest badass go getter ever. But as far as following up in a, in a lot of ways and other things, he he just let it go. And then like a year later, Chris Lagori reaches out to me. He's like, "Yo, you you ever think about doing a podcast with like Frankie?" It was like a full year later. I was like, "Holy shit, that's what he meant when he said you ever thought about doing a podcast?" <laughs> so I reached out, and he's like, "Hey man, let's do it." We had a couple interviews with places that we had the possibilities of, of going and using their studio, and we just wanted the convenience. I live like two miles away. We wanted the oh, convenience cool. and the yeah. ease and the luxury, if you will, of just coming to Frankie's house and doing it. So we had this room. We came down and checked it out. It was just it literally had a dartboard and, I don't know, a couple pieces of art in here. Yeah. We were like, this will work. So we, we built it, you know? It does work. Yeah. I like it, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool story. Yeah. That's when, when the romance started. Yeah, the, the bromance. bromance. The bromance. The bromance. That's why, that's why Roger got all the Brotox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loves to bring the S. That's, I think that's insult number three, the most used. It's gay, um, old, and, and that, I, that I've had Botox. There's also story. an ED joke in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's a little personal, can though. You we don't bro, talk about can that. you stick bro, Brotox in that? <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that, they, that people do that to their balls. To make them not wrinkly? To make them not wrinkly. Yeah, I've Heard that. Not, not wrinkled balls. I, it looks so know, weird. I, I, apparently, <laughs> it's it's big in the gay community. Apparently, which I know that's going to be a joke oh, now. So. Boy. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's apparently, like, I've heard that. Oh boy! Yeah. So it's when's like, your appointment? Yeah, <laughs> next week. Next week. 
You want to call him? Uh, no. I'm thinking about that one part in, uh, what was it, Big Daddy, where he's like, loose skin, old yeah, balls. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Adam Sandler, you can't go wrong with any of his no. movies. Dude, they're making uh, Happy Gilmore too. I think. What? Yeah. I, oh, saw, I saw- um. I remember he, he did- he, he, he was on the green. Yeah, yeah. No, what was the shooter McGavin? Shooter, yeah, shooter. Yeah. I saw yeah. Shooter yeah. just did a like a little yeah, promo for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, oh I'm crazy. watching that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Get in your home. <laughs> your boys in, into going to movies and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean we, I they like to do. I mean a variety of different things. They they love the movies. They love they love hiking. Uh, I took my boys on a rite of passage uh, last year. We we hiked up um, a fourteener. Oh, in wow. uh in Colorado. Oh wow. And uh it was it was awesome. But it even was... your even your little one did it? No, no, no. It oh. was the uh just my two oldest ones. I'm like, you must have been on your back because that's crazy. Yeah, that yeah. would be that'd be hard on me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd make it. But yeah, so I we we do a lot of we do camping, we do hiking, we do um fishing. Actually this past year for COVID, one of the things we did was I mean, I think it was like last year in March when everything hit, we were like kinda like Everybody was in that like, oh, we're feeling sorry for ourselves. Like the world's gonna come to an end. Like, why why can't things be the way they were? You know, like all these things. And my wife and I and and all the boy the boys that we all kind of went through this lull. Like, God, there's just nothing to do. We're all just stuck at home. And my wife and I and I think it was May of last year. We just we were having coffee out on the deck and we were just like, we're asking ourselves the wrong questions. Like, what if we ask different questions? You know, we're faced with a pandemic. It's may of 2020 what if we did this what if we asked ourselves how can we connect as a family and do things we've never done because we're faced with things we've never faced and we can connect in a way we've never connected what would that look like and what we did was is we cre- we created 12 straight weeks i took off every single wednesday for 12 weeks and we would go do something that we've never done or to a place we've never been so we hiked in places we've never been. We went caving. We went uh, floating. Like we kayaked. We uh, we did all kinds of things. Want me, to, want me to blow your mind, Frankie? Spelunking. Spelunking. That's, that's cave. Uh, yeah. Oh, cave. Well, you know yeah. it. Okay. Come on, pal. Come on, pal. Jeez, I it, thought I was going to get some credit there. Yeah. No, but it, it was awesome. <laughs> um, but we're big into adventure. It's awesome. Like it's not uncommon for us to go fly somewhere as a family, go drive somewhere as a family, go do something we haven't done that just makes us kind of uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I've noticed that when we get into patterns and the norm, like yeah. everyone kind of just we get bored. Yep. So like Same. we're not we're not afraid to try new things. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. This guy just got back from four days in uh, in the Poconos, right? Yeah. Skiing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was good to get on the mountain. Uh, <laughs> How I don't was get. That? I mean, I I was great, man. I got probably 10, 15 runs in a day. I haven't done that much snowboarding in the past ten years, so. Now, do you find when your 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 whole family goes and does like a big outing like that, especially four days, you find like the the um, the family dynamic flows a little better than it would like you know as or Larry worse. said, <laughs> or worse. Like, that's it what I'm that's worse. what I'm asking. Yeah, it, no, sometimes you get home and it's just like oh no no at their throat. oh get back to the yeah I'm condo, saying the pro- or wherever I'm yeah, saying yeah. you know we finally get home and runs out and just like yeah okay we need to kind of go in different rooms for a little bit here <laughs> you know yeah on vacations you kind of need like you need to like. Give each other a break. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was good because her father gets a bunch. There was a bunch, a bunch of condos, and uh, so my daughter and my kids would go over there for a little bit, come over here for a little bit. They had, uh, you know, the other neighbors had some kids there, so it was cool. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. 
a couple of my buddies came up and skied with me while we were up there. So that's cool. Yeah, it's good to get out. We still haven't done that. That's 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 one thing I want to do. We have not skied yet. Yeah, I want to ski. Pocono's not too far for you guys. I mean, yeah, you, know, you probably go to a better mountain though. Yeah, yeah. I'm just afraid that I, I I'm not the most coordinated dude on the planet. Yeah. So like I'll be hugging a tree at yeah. some point probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean I I uh, I went snowboarding the first time and like when I was 13 got decent and then didn't go till I was 24 because yeah. of wrestling and then I probably been like 10 times since then. So like every time I go I I got to reteach myself. But this time I I got it down pretty. I was hitting jumps at the end a little right. bit, you know. I'm That's not crazy, awesome, but yeah. you know. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And your kids, they do? My, yeah, yeah, they you know, they both just started snowboarding. My middle guy, he, he stuck to it cuz it's kind of his this thing and he was going black diamonds by the end of the day. Are you serious? Yeah. Damn, yeah. yeah. Got that awesome. low center of gravity when yeah, you when you yeah. fall from especially the Eggers, when you fall from <laughs> two and a half feet high, you don't get hurt too bad. <laughs> He's going to get another black eye. He's going to get another black eye. Rod's lucky he can breathe in that air all the way up there. Speaking of breathing, buddy, how's that nose over there? He... Good. Good. It's not me. It's not you? No. Oh. Might be me. No, it's me. It's definitely Frankie. My nose is not too good lately. So what else, buddy? What else you want to tell us about your trip? My trip? My trip was, uh, yeah, it was cool, you know? The, uh, do you, uh, are you part of, uh, like the setup or is that all Renee? No, I don't, I you don't yeah, do I don't. anything. Yeah. I, like I said, I hate booking appointments. I hate making any, like I, I'm like, well, let's go, let's go to Florida. That's what I'm, Renee's kind of like that too. That's just bad. Cause we never plan anything. How we about, do everything. Uh, how about you, Larry? Are you, are you the planner? Are you part of that? Or what? Yeah. Man, well, I, fuck I, you guys then. I cause, cause I don't have a wife anymore. So. <laughs> I don't, I can't plan, man. I, it's just not my thing. My, my wife is like a mole when it comes to the internet she'll find like these gems like these places that will go and and she always gets good deals and stuff like that i mean like you know we're going to florida next month and then um april i'm going to montana because i've got i've I've got a speaking event up there and then in may we're going back to florida because i'll be speaking an event down there and we we just bring the family with us that's great yeah and then we're um in august we're going to be going to colorado because we're going to be doing another mountain hike so that's i i do plan that stuff but like the the florida stuff like i'm i'm good when it comes to like uh once we're there like i'll be like hey let's go deep sea fishing yeah yeah or let's go you know let's go snorkeling somewhere like i'll find places like that but like planning a trip and no yeah i don't plan nothing yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like tell me where to be i'll be there i'll show up (laughs) yeah no um you said speaking events is that part of the good dad project yeah, yeah. I mean, I I speak at like just different events. Like you know, I'll, I'll be asked to speak, and so you know, it, whether it's on parenting mindset, big I, big thing is marriage. I mean, I'm I'm that's sort of my sweet spot is marriage. But um, you know, pay- only, only if we could have got you with Roger <laughs> a year ago. Where were you ten years ago? No, I actually did marriage boot camp, yeah. man. It was uh, they're good people. That's actually a real thing outside of the TV show, yeah. and they. They help um, Jim Carroll. Jim, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his wife's name. She was terrific. But Jim Carroll, he runs something. Yeah. I believe it's out of Texas called Marriage Boot Camp. Obviously, we were part of a TV show, which is completely accentuated and stuff. But it is a real thing. And um, yeah, uh, they. I know they've helped a tremendous amount of couples. You ever heard of it? No, well, I, have I mean their track record no. isn't too good. I guess <laughs> not the TV show part, pal. Not that part. <laughs> I have not heard of that. No, but, um, but yeah, man, marriage is. 
actually, you want to hear a scary statistic? So, Elizabeth, that's the worst wife's name. She was she was great. Okay, um, <clears throat> so fifty percent, you know, fifty percent divorce. Yes. Everybody knows that. Right. But here's what a lot of people don't know. Uh, so the fifty percent that stay together, they're divided up into three camps. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah, it is? No, but I I I, I th- go ahead. I don't want to yeah. cut you off. Yeah. No. So, you know, one third. In camp one, one third of marriages that stay together can actually identify their relationship as working. Like, hey, this is this is good. Yeah. Like, it's everything I wanted. You know, it's it's pretty good. Camp two is like, eh, right? It's all right. I, I I don't really want to break up. That's that's a lot of work, right. but it's not really everything I wanted. But we're okay, I guess. Camp three is they have no connection whatsoever, and it's literally divided up thirty three, thirty three, thirty three. And but they stay together. They stay together for two reasons. One is it's the perception of we have to stay together for the kids. Mm. Yep. And what they usually don't know is is that's usually probably doing more damage. Right, right. But then the second reason is finances. So they're they're usually just waiting for the kids to move out, but they're totally spinning in different orbits and Or they're you know, cheating. You cheating know, yeah, the is, extra is, extracurricular yeah. activities. So yeah, but that's uh that's the statistic out there. It's funny you you said that my numbers are way off them, you know, just just something I put together in my own head, but I, my my breakdown, I forget exactly what it was, but you know, you got the 50% statistic that right off the bat is divorce. I mean, that's that's a guarantee, that's a fact, right? That's a t- statistic. But somehow I came up with like 10%. It seems like it's around maybe 10, maybe 20% of truly happy people that that really met their soulmate. You know what I mean? I think that I think that's a fair number. It's got to be in there somewhere, and that's that's sad, man. What do you attribute that to? Well, actually, I, so I have a comparison to being a fighter. So how about that? Uh, so think of it this way: in no other area of our lives, as it pertains to marriage and like parenting, right? In no other area of our lives do we expect to be excellent in a certain discipline field career or what right so people are walking down the aisle they say i do you know everybody's you know, you're saying your goodbyes oh th- best time of your whole life you'll figure it out oh this is great don't worry you'll figure it out the whole time. dude and no one no one understands or takes any type of skill or training in order to create you know a legendary extraordinary marriage it takes four things self-care partnership that's more like the business side of marriage that's that's your finances that's the chores that's the roles that's the schedules that's the not so sexy stuff then you got friendship then you have lovers and those four pillars they sit on a foundation of communication communication is tactical empathy it's labels it's emotional validation it's active listening it's all these things right to to make communication work and those are all skills and what most people do is they don't do any of those things and they view it as like, oh, it's a feeling. And that's a lot like me getting in the ring with you and I'm like, mm. I'll figure it out. I know how to make like, a fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. I, I mean, it can't be that hard, but I'll just figure it out. And then I get pummeled. Yeah. And then, but like, of course, when I go and I'm, they're like, dude, like, you got pummeled. Like, what were you thinking? You didn't even train. So in that discipline of being a pro fighter, they're like, well, yeah, you got pummeled. You didn't do anything about it. You didn't learn any skills. But in marriage, you're like, wow, I can't believe like it didn't work out. Like why? Mm. And they, but they don't attribute that there are those skills, you know, that now granted there are situations where like, you know, maybe the other person isn't pulling their weight. Maybe it's irreconcilable differences, right? There's two, two complex dynamic people in the relationship, but at the same time, it's just like a career, 
-hmm. It's just like a skill. It's just like a discipline. And unfortunately, most people walk down the aisle a lot like how I would walk into the ring with you, not knowing what to do, but I'll feel my way through it. It'll work out like and I just get killed. That's what we do. You actually, Frankie, gave me some good advice a long time ago, and I'm probably going to screw your quote up a little bit. But we were at Xena. We were out to eat with the girls. They went to eat and some girl walked by. And she was a good-looking girl. We both just kind of looked up, and I looked at you, and you looked at me, and you said something to the effect of, and again, I'm going to screw this quote up, but the grass may look greener on the other side, but somewhere out there attached to that beautiful girl is a dude with a whole set of problems just like you got. You might as well just stay and work on the problems that you got at home that you already know. I don't know how close I was with that quote, but it was probably better than it was. (laughs) (laughs) It was something like that. And it made me think. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, because we all obviously in the world of social media, especially when, you know, everything. I probably say there's somewhere around the world that's sick of that girl shit. Yeah, yeah, something something to that effect. (laughs) But, you know, especially in the world of social media, you know, everything looks so beautiful and so attractive and the grass is always greener on the other side. And even even I'm not just saying with just girls who are scantily clad or whatever relationships you see guys and they're putting their best stuff out their best life is out you know but you might as well stay it's a little late for me to say this but you might as well stay and work on what you already have and what you already know you know i mean that's that's i think um a good way to put it yeah you gave me that advice yeah, right? I like that yeah. and it worked for you, you pal. listen to it didn't work for you but hey, you know <laughs> i was i was half of that equation bro i know half. i know <laughs> I mean, some there. Listen, there's probably some marriages, like you said, that yeah. should be apart. You know, there's some some people just can't can't work. You know, right? I was coaching this guy not too long ago, and he's, I mean, he's literally given everything he possibly can to this relationship that he's in. And I've never really said this, but I'm like, dude, you you got to get out of this, man. Like this girl, you know, emasculates him, like talks down to him, disrespects him doesn't appreciate I mean like literally just talks down to this poor guy and I'm like man like you can't can you go like 15 more years 20 more mm-hmm. 25 30 more years like this like I can't even imagine what life would be like and she she will not change like she's refusing to change and so in that particular situation where it's downright disrespect no appreciation you know and the person will not change it's probably not the best situation you right. know i mean you could probably yeah. do all your own self-work you possibly can but the other side is not yeah. and that that's where you know that particular situation might not be best yeah there's a, there's a time to call it quits now. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah right yeah. yeah i think there is i mean not that yeah you know, i mean i i i think you have to take every situation for what it's worth and as as long as like so like when i'm coaching a guy you know if we can refine his skill set and and help him with his own stuff because i always say like you're not going to change her you got to do you right and she is not responsible for your happiness so we got to get that straight right but at the same time you're responsible for knowing how to be a good listener you're responsible for learning what emotional validation looks like you're responsible for when she comes to you and vents you don't solve her problems you listen you validate and if she wants you to get in on the solution then go ahead and do it but you know, a lot of times, man, there's that community. I mean, the biggest crack I think in marriage is that communication breakdown. No question. That's, that's always the thing that I struggle with the most communication because I'm stubborn. I'm a stubborn mule and I stop communicating. I'm not really a screamer arguer or, you know, it's not really my, my way, but I'm, I'm, I just shut down. I just, I'm a light switch. I just, and that's, 
probably almost worse in many ways, you know. I think a lot of guys we we yeah. do that though. Yeah. I mean, I I I coach men on this stuff, but when I get to a certain point, that's what I do. Right. And I stop talking. I I need that break. I do. Almost be like, all right, I I just can't right. talk about this right yeah. now. Like we got to time out. You know? If if you give me enough space and don't chase me around, right? You know, I usually come around. I yeah. usually you know usually the 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 gravity or the importance of a situation settles in and i'm like what what are you so what are you what are you being so stubborn about this is the dumbest thing ever you're right. you know you're you're mad about the she said she was going to have dinner on at six and she you know it's not on it you know it's stupid I, I don't know that we ever actually had a fight about that but that was the only thing that popped in my head and then you're like my god you're wasting time you know wasting time and i and i i admit i've wasted an incredible amount of time but I do realize it, and I do want to get better at it. So you know, I think that 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 the, the want is there. You know. Yeah, yeah. I usually get what I want to say. I get it out. Yeah. <laughs> I get uh, it out. Yeah. And Every, then I come around. Then I'm good. Then she's not good. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm the opposite. I I don't usually say things that I think I'll regret later because you can't take it back. You know. And I'm kind of the opposite of my girl. She'll. She's the most loyal, you know, best girl ever, but she says the most hard-hitting shit. Oh, that's Italian, she's Italian, yeah, bro. That's Come what on, she that's says. That's what she that's says. That's what it is, bro. That's she's what I was like, raised. My mother used to yeah. say the worst stuff she's, to me. She's like, she's, she's like, somebody else says that yeah. shit about you, though, yeah. I'll fucking gut him like yeah, a pig, exactly, you know? Exactly, exactly. So, but yeah, she said, and I'm like, and I can't shake it, you know? I'll be like, yeah. fuck, did you really mean that? Like, Jesus, you know? And she's like, no, I was mad. Ah, uh, you used to me, you know, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. used to me. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned? Uh, uh, from in marriage, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is is like you know it's like you think the worst like when you have a bad fight, you think like it's the end of the world, but like it it moves on. You know, yeah. as long as you're in it for the long haul, nothing's gonna break it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you think like something like you know we we never had serious fights because I mean what's what's you know it's usually we fight what do we fight over now? We fight over kids or some stupid scheduling or nothing serious, you know. And Mark you, Wahlberg, yeah, Mark. And you know, you get so mad in the Mark situation. Wahlberg. No, this is this guy. <laughs> I keep saying when he, she's gonna leave him for Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, you think it's it's you're, you're like, well, oh my god, the end of the world. But then you know, in the long run, I guess it ain't nothing. Yeah, you know? that's all. It's just yeah. gotta roll with the punches in life, I guess. Right, especially in marriage. Yeah. The, you know, or you know, just like in a wrestling career, he tell a kid or in a wrestling season. You don't want to get too highs with the highs and too low with the lows. Ride the even keel. That's kind of how marriage is, you know. It's very true. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to see that in the moment, but yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Yep. You know, you get inside your own head, and and a lot of times you just you, you just want to be right. right. Or you just want to win the argument, and it's not the bigger picture stuff. Yeah. You know, for me, I take a long time to settle, and 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 I've always been that way since I was a kid. But you give me that time, and I'll, I'll come around. I'll, I'll see the bigger picture. Just give me a little time, <laughs> you know. I, I'm the exact same way, and luckily, my wife, man, she's not a nagger. Like she will, she, she's, she's she not knows, Italian then. She's not. <laughs> she's German, but she, she can be stubborn though too. Yeah. But she, she's a, she's a tough woman. She's a good, she's a good mom for four boys. That's for sure. But she also knows me really well, and I know her really well, and we can, we can read each other really well. And we know when if we're in in a heated discussion, like when the other person, like I can sense when she's had enough, yeah. and she can definitely sense when I. And we give each other the the space and the respect to just to just back off, and allow the other person to go do whatever they need to do. And then you're right. I mean, they all, we, we always come back. Yeah. Right. I mean, there there's never really been an instance where 
we haven't you know we always come back and work it out after we're cooled down yeah how long have you guys been together we i so i met her in college and i've known her for 25 years we've been married this will be 18th year oh wow and yeah man it was uh it was hilarious like i don't even know how she like how i landed her because <laughs> it, it was uh you guys ever seen the movie hitch yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i saw will, her will smith will smith yeah, yeah. yeah i saw her all around campus <clears throat> and luckily by the time i was in college i had confidence i wasn't a fat kid anymore so i didn't have a problem going up and talking to a girl that i liked but for some reason like i saw her all over campus i'm like oh man there's that girl and then all my friends would give me crap They're like hagner are you ever gonna go talk to that girl like you know like it was months and then finally like i got in the elevator of my dorm and she came in and this was like in the evening I was going to the gym and she comes, she got in the elevator. And I was like, Oh my God, there's that girl. I'd seen her for months, like months and didn't say a word to her in the elevator. And she's like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm, I'm going to the, to the fitness center. And she's like, I was like, where are you going? She's like, I was going to go for a run. Do you want to come with me? And I hate running, <laughs> hate running. And I was like, I love running. <laughs> I would love to go run. So we went running and she smoked me and she's like, I, I thought you ran. I was like, I'm just tired. So anyway, we, we kind of like hung out like for like three straight weeks. That defines so well, by the way, what men will do for a girl. It really does. Yeah. I, you, yeah. Totally like one, just hang out with yeah. her. And we ended up running together like for the next three weeks. And she's the type of girl, she's a hard read. And I was, she was dating somebody. I was dating somebody. It wasn't serious on either end. Like she was just casually dating and so was I. And I was like, I can't tell if this girl likes me or not. Like I could not read the situation. I was like, I'm either in the friend zone or I can't read this girl. And I'll never forget it, man. This is why I ask if you've seen the movie Hitch. So we're sitting on a park bench after we got done with this run. And I was like, this is driving me crazy, man. I have got to make a move on this girl. So we're sitting there and she is talking. And literally in my mind, I was like, I'm going to kiss her and I'm going to kiss her in five, four. <laughs> I did a countdown and I pulled her to me and I kissed her and she didn't kiss me back. And oh. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so then she then she started laughing and I'm like, what? What? What's going on? And she's like and then she kisses me and I'm like, all right, now I'm now I'm confused. Like, what, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, my God, you look so funny. And I'm like. This is, this is getting worse. <laughs> She's like, you just like came in, like your eyes were already closed and everything. So there's that mo there's that part yeah, where Kevin yeah, yeah, James, yeah. like he goes 90 and she just like looks at him. She's like, oh my God, that's what you look like. That's why I was laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh my that God. So that was, the, that was the story that was shared by my best man at our wedding. That's so like, yeah, man, it was the first few weeks we were together. It was just, <laughs> and we kind of broke up here and there, but we, we finally got... I mean, we, we dated for seven years before we got married. Wow. It was a while. I was a slow learner. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. Yeah. That's great. I see you do the the hard 75. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I'm over there. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the Johnny Walker. I'm yeah. like, man, I'm over here with my water. I'm, I, I still got 25 more days to go. So this is the second time you're doing it? Third. Third time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what made you get into it? I just I, I like the I like the rules. I like living like in that kind of container for for short amounts of time. I, I can't do it like long term. Like, yeah, you know, I like going out on date nights and having a couple drinks with, with my mm -hmm. wife or like with, with the guys or when we go out with couples, that kind of thing. But I would say for the most part, like I try to live within those rules. Like I, I drink a gallon of water a day. Mm -hmm. I work out every day. Um, I, I do read every day, things like that. Um, but 
I like having the parameters in place. And in our mastermind in, in Dad Edge, we have, like I said, 550 guys that do life with us. And we will do that challenge as a group every quarter, like we offer it. So like if I'm in the challenge, like there's no way that I cannot do it. Like I can't tap out. I can't say I quit. So I, I will I will do it. Right. Full, it keeps full you on. keeps you yeah. accountable. Holding it keeps accountable. us accountable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do the whole thing where we actually like share. We like there will be eighty of us, and we have like a Google link for a Google sheet where we share all the rules. Like everybody has their own tab. Everyone has day one through seventy-five. All five, all six rules. You have to log every day that you did them. You're paired up with an accountability partner. You have to talk to your accountability partner every day or every other day. Like there are very strict rules, like when, in our accountability group. So I'm just like, well, I can't not do it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, more yeah. public. So yeah, I do that. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I should. Yeah. You're gonna be my accountability partner. I'll definitely hold you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. I, I'll give Frankie some credit. I've tried to broaden my horizons a little bit recently, very recently. I used to be really well read when I was a kid, but uh, I I haven't read a book in years. And this Comic guy, books. this guy, no, I, you, you remember the uh, you remember the Hardy Boy? <laughs> yeah, dude. I read. Oh, I, used to, yeah, I read yeah. every I, single. I used to read them book. all the time. I read every. You know, that's how I learned the term spelunking. Actually, oh, yeah. Hardy Boy <laughs> mystery. <laughs> Um, but I read every single one when yeah. I was a kid. But anyway, long story short, he's Frankie's for as dumb as he is, he's remarkably well read. I'm not he, that. I just he, compared to him, I am. <laughs> yes. Compared to me, you're dumb. <laughs> to yes. you, not yeah. so much, probably. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, he's really well read, and he's got quite a library up there. So I borrowed a few books, and I, I started reading one about you know the history of Tom's River. Recently, is the is the one that I'm on now. It'll probably take me a month, but I'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so. Yeah. I do have a question for you though about fitness. Um, what goes into a camp? Like, what is your what is a typical day when you're getting ready for a fight? Like, what do you what do you have to do every day? Well, like, so, I mean, it depends on what day it is, but usually have I have a practice from usually nine to eleven. Usually nine to eleven, eleven thirty. Come home, I'll uh, you know eat, shower, relax. Usually go to therapy, their stretch or ART, and then I'll go to my next practice, which is usually four to six. And then I'll come home and eat and chill out. So two usually two a days. Two a days. Yeah. Uh, so they say Monday is jujitsu and then strength and conditioning. Tuesday is sparring and then pad work. Wednesday is wrestling and then strength and conditioning. Pad work, then wrestling, then jujitsu and pool work. You know, Saturday sparring. You got you know you know. All is there yourself. is there a day? I mean, for a guy that's been doing this for forever, is there a day that? I mean, for me, when I go to the gym, I, I like arm day. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of leg day. Obviously, you're gonna say, but um, is there a day that you look forward to more than others? Is like sparring. Um, I like sparring. Yeah, I like sp sparring is the most fun. It's the hardest probably though, but it's the most fun. You get to work on what you've been working on you know all week, but it also beats you up the most too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So is that that's eight weeks at a time? Is that right? I, I do eight week camps, sometimes ten week, but yeah, about yeah. eight weeks. I'm, but I'm in the gym usually. You know, I took some time after this last one, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually in the gym anyway. Yeah, at least at least once a day. Sometimes I train twice a day, even at but out fights. Now, when you say the gym, is that like actual training and fighting, or just throwing the weights around? Or? Uh, well, I, the gym is just uh, uh, you know, martial arts, anything, yeah. anything. You know, working out related, I guess you say. This guy actually yeah. holds. Um, I don't know if you know, Larry. This guy holds a few, a few records, right? I, I always thought you set him at Rutgers, uh, Rutgers, but it wasn't at Rutgers. You was it the push up, pull up? Oh uh, no, it was. It was. I don't know if I hold a record, but we just did like a thing with Miller with Mar Rooney. It was like uh, I forget. What I it was, actually thought it was, it I thought dips, they were records dips, for your weight class. It was dips, push ups, and pull ups. 
You remember what no, it was? Dips, push-ups, pull-ups, and bench. I don't know. It was how many you could do in like a minute, and yeah, I, yeah. I definitely cr- you crushed I did like it. Yeah, Fifty yeah. something. I, I, cr- yeah, I, I, yeah. I crushed. I crushed it pretty good. Yeah, I now, remember. I remember yeah. back when you did it. Yeah. Now, where did the nickname "the answer" come from? Uh, you know, my 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 training partner Chris Lagori gave it to me. It was actually kind of like uh, I was the an- I was his wrestling coach. He's like, "Oh, you're the answer. The answer to help me because he needed wrestling." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like, "Yo, I'm the answer. You know, you got you could bring this. So I got an answer to it." Plus, Allen Iverson. I liked Allen Iverson. You know, growing up. So yeah, the answer just kind of sounded good with Edgar. I like it. It fit, yeah. fit well. Yep. Do you have another one that you're going to be doing? Fight? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm nothing booked, but I'll probably get in summertime. So yeah, I'm looking to do. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Hopefully, sooner or later. I know we were talking earlier, but like it'd be great just to have like fans in stadiums again. Yeah, I I, I feel like uh, <clears throat> I gotta have that. Gotta have yeah. that again. Yeah. Just doesn't feel right without it. You know. I can't imagine. I mean, it, it it's it, it's cool. You gotta look at it both ways. You know, I can hear my coaches really well. Um, the experience is just different. It's like fighting in the gym, you know, yeah. in the gym we're just, you know, sparring in front of nobody really anyway. But, uh, you know, when the crowd's there, the energy just, you just feed off it, you know? Yeah. What's the, what's the loudest fight stadium crowd that you can remember you were ever at? Well, I know the loudest I ever heard is when I was in, I, I wasn't fighting. I was there cornering somebody. I think it was corner Ricardo maybe, but, uh. It was George St. Pierre fought for the title in Montreal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, he was walking out. I'm like, I gotta, go, I gotta go out to the main the floor. The I got, I got, Roger, I was in the, the Rogers room. Center. I, think I was like, I got, yeah, yeah. I got, I was like, I gotta hear this, yeah. and it was deafening. Wow. Yeah. But like when I fought, um, Madison Square Garden was good. They're screaming my name. Even even Tokyo was pretty cool, but they're kind of quiet. But they were, they were, they were kind of loud too. Yeah. For for Tokyo, usually they don't say anything. But I think they kind of got into the whole UFC gig. How many years have you been doing this now? Professionally fighting 16 now, and I've been in UFC 14. Wow. Yeah. 14 years. So, I mean, I remember um, watching you fight. I I know it was in that 2007, 2008 um, time because, like, at the time I was doing martial arts and a bunch of the guys that we would do martial arts with, we'd, somebody would always – buy the ufc fight and then we'd all go over there and hang out and watch the fight and i, I remember like seeing a few of your fights even early on yeah like, early on in your career it's been a minute it's been a minute yeah you bought those shoes when you first started fighting yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're my house slippers bro this guy's got front on my house slippers is <laughs> that's a zipper he has his zippers he can't tie his <laughs> shoes anymore he's gonna have zippers <laughs> was is there as you reflect on 16 years, like, is there a moment that you're like, man, that was like, that was like a gold moment. Like just that one thing, like, is there something that comes to mind? I mean, definitely winning the titles always, always, always up there. And then, uh, when I fought, uh, Maynard the third time and it knocked him out, that was, that was a a special one. Yeah. And I remember, I remember going back to my hotel and the, the lobby was packed and it was just like, just craziness, you know, like movie type stuff. Walking in, people trying to grab me and stuff. And it, it was do you, nice. do you, rem- I'm sure you remember it, but <clears throat> um, Renee was heavily pregnant at the time. I don't think she was supposed to be flying, according to her doctor. I think she she did it anyway. But uh, I waited for you with with half of fucking Tom's River when yeah, you when yeah. you flew home yeah, from that was wild. from Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, you yep. fought BJ Penn. You won the title, and half literally half That's the right. town waited for him in Cole's parking lot. The entire parking lot was full there was buses there was wow. fire engines there yeah. was cops and nobody really knew like when he was going to get there 
because you know we were kind of people were tracking you. I think Renee's sister was there giving like updates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When like when and then he finally got there. I think you got out for a minute, and then the whole town literally followed you back to your house, yeah. the old house you used to live in, yep. and he hung out outside with everybody for hours, man. Yeah. I mean that street you couldn't even drive down it. It was so bad. And you, yeah, I remember cool. thinking like, I didn't know him that well. That was when I was a fan. I was like, this guy's cool as shit, man. I even went up. I was like, congratulations, and you know, he was like, thanks, man. That you know, but literally. I mean, he shouts out TR every fight, bro. The town, yeah, the yeah, town yeah. loves him. You know what I mean? So yeah, I remember that vividly. Sitting yeah, in, was, and I, was, I, I sat there cool. for hours in Cole's parking lot waiting for you to to get fun, back yeah. from the airport. Yeah, we got held up in uh, immigration. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it took forever. All right. Yeah, those are good times. <clears throat> Definitely. Everywhere you go, I mean, do people recognize you? I'm for the most part, you yeah. know, I'm I'm a little dude, so I can kind of get. You know, if I was big, like Roger, would really notice me, right? You know, I've been out with him many places, and and he gets recognized. He yeah, yeah, no, you do, you do. But I'm I'm kind of unassuming guy. I'm not, I don't really look for attention either. Right, you know? right. But yeah, I, I you know you do you notice it more and more. Yeah, you know, I feel like every every fight I have, I come back, I get noticed more. You know, right. And here it's like everyone knows who I am, so that's like no big deal. Right, right. You know? Grew up here. Yeah, my my camera guy in the way here was like. Do you think do you think anybody would actually rob his house or his neighbor's house knowing that he lives there like that? <laughs> Probably like a crackheads. Crackheads don't care. Right? Yeah, they don't right. care. Yeah, 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 they right. don't care. That happened. We were talking about it. That yeah. happened to um, the light heavyweight guy, yeah, um, Anthony Anthony um, Smith. Smith. Yes, he got, his house got broken. Oh, he's okay. he's, he he's bigger than. This yeah, guy probably yeah, yeah well, he's, a, he, he's definitely more of a badass than I am. He's two hundred five, but he's he's a bad. Well, he's mother probably bigger effort. than you. Well, yeah, off off fight camp probably. <laughs> but anyway, he literally fist fought a dude that broke into his house, and they and he, he, the, said he, he said, the crazy part about it is here's this UFC fighter. I don't know if you've ever seen Anthony he's Smith big fight. Dude. But he's a badass, bro. He's a bad. Held the belt for a short period no, of time, right? No, no he didn't. No. Oh, okay. Fought for the belt. Fought John Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway. um, Said, you know, was went on air and said it's the most terrified he's ever been. You know, and here's really? a guy that can. I, mean, I, I don't know if he meant like just because his kids were there. Right. I mean, I could see that, but yeah. he said the guy he was just hitting the guy. A, the guy didn't stop. Right. I'm like, dude, that's what you use jujitsu for, bro. Choke, right. choke that guy. PCP ain't helping that. <laughs> ain't helping his uh, blood to his brain. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll tell you, my uh, my seven year old just we just put him in jujitsu. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I wish, I wish I could say it was a. It, it was a good reason. Like, like I, I did martial arts for, for years. And, you know, my two oldest boys, they did martial arts and they did wrestling. And then my seven-year-old, we hadn't, we hadn't gotten him in anything yet. And unfortunately, um, I, I won't go into a whole lot of detail just because of privacy of the people that we know. But he was in a situation um, on Super Bowl Sunday where he, we were over at somebody's house. All the kids were there. All the adults were there. Adults were upstairs watching the game. Kids were downstairs. And I went downstairs after the game. And he, this is the one where he's you know, he's got the ticks and all that. So he's kids are kind of becoming cruel now. Oh, and um, so I go downstairs to tell the kids it's you know it's time to go. And I noticed my seven year old like just walk right past me. And he looked upset. And I'm like, hey man, you okay? And he didn't say anything. He just kept walking. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And all of a sudden he just lost it. And I'm like, are you, wh what's going on? And he just kept walking. And I looked at the other kids over there. I was like, something happened. And the kids looked guilty as can be and mm -hmm. just ran. And I'm like, I don't know what just happened. So then, then we get home 
and I'm kind of like putting the kids, like getting stuff ready, putting the kids to bed. And I, I look over at my seven year old, he's in the corner staring at the wall and he's just like, like this. And I'm like, I'm like, are you all right? Like what's wrong? And I look at him and dude, his, his eye was swollen scratches on his face. He had a bruise, like a damn near a black eye right here. He had scratches on his neck. He had a bruise on his, on his arm. He had scratches on his back. I'm like, what in God's name happened to you? And he was so upset. He was just like, he kept just saying over and over, they kept beating me. And I'm like, what do you mean they kept beating you? And he's like, they just kept holding me down, beating me. And then like, you know, they grabbed my legs, they pushed their foot into my, into my balls. And then they would hit me in the face and they would scratch my back. And I'm like, why didn't and this, this kills me, man. I was like, why didn't you get away? Like, why didn't you try? He's like, I tried. And they kept just holding me down and beating me more. And I'm like, I was freaking fumed out of my mind. And I'm like, these, and, these are, these are family friends, kids. The, well, they weren't family. They're friends, kids. Friends, kids. And yeah. uh, I, well, was I meant just, your family's friends, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and I just, uh, I was like, this is this is crazy. And I asked him, I was like, why didn't you yell for me? He goes, and this is what killed me. He goes, I was. Oh wow. You didn't hear me. And I'm like, and they were downstairs. They were playing in oh, a bounce yeah. house. All right. Like, and there was like probably nine kids down there. They're all playing. And I heard him screaming, but I was just like, oh, they're having fun. Right. He's like, I kept calling for you. You didn't come. And I'm like, oh, geez. So I was like, you're going to jujitsu tomorrow. Mm. And I enrolled him in jujitsu. And <laughs> he loves it. He really loves That'll it. That'll help he, him a lot, man. It, it will. Yeah. And it helped him with, I've even noticed like some of the things, like even like the, the occurrence of like his tics has kind of calmed down. And he's got like, um, seems like he has a little bit more physical literacy now. Mm -hmm. Like it's like mind body sort of connection. And like the other day I picked him up and I'm like, Hey man, like how was jujitsu? He's like, I learned how to choke somebody out today. Yeah, that's, <laughs> awesome. that's awesome. He's like, dad, when you get choked, you got to tap twice. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Looking back on my childhood and remembering it. And a lot of people disagree with me on this. They're all like, Oh, everything's been around pretty much same as it was. I wouldn't want to be a kid in today's day and age growing up. I really wouldn't. And that's yeah. that's a dad that has two kids that are only four and a six. I, I feel, I don't want to say bad for them because they have a lot of opportunities, but my, my, my empathy for them, you know, in a lot of ways is, is growing because my childhood, I really remember it as being very simplistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really do. You know, my, my mom had some basic rules. You know, when you came home from school or if it was summer break, you went out, here we go, here we go, here we go. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of... Uh... <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. Get it oh out. Oh, my God. Get it out. Everybody, the, the people want to laugh. What's the movie? Uh, oh, Tropic Thunder? You know, simple Jack? That's, 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 that was about Roger's upbringing. It was simple, simple Jack. It was Simple Jack meets Deliverance is kind of what it was. But So, um, you know, when the, when the street lights came on, yeah. you had to be home. You know, that was if my mom was outside yelling, you know, because we lived on a quiet little street, Mill Street, in, in, in a little town in Maine. So there was, like, no traffic on it. The kids all would, you know, we played Tin Can Alley. It was just, there was no electronics. I mean, the only electronic game I can re even remember, I didn't even have a Sega. I didn't have any of that. I had an Atari, like, when it first came out and played Frogger and Space Invaders. And that was it. And I wasn't yeah. even really into that. I was outside. I was the playing with friends. The strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was outside every night playing with kids, and you know that was that was kind of like the rule in my house. Like you know, you did your chores, you did your homework, and then you went out and you played, and you you know you came home, you took a took a shower, and went to bed. You know, and yeah. I, kids today, 
you know, they're they're so enamored by, I see it with my daughter more so than my son. You know, they have the iPads, and, and I'm guilty. My kids have iPads. I don't I don't feel like I abuse it, but certainly, and I see what she watches, and it's, she's kind of into makeup now, you know, into that, and she watches these tutorials of kids doing makeup and how glamorized it is and how, you know, they're, they're just subjected to this whole different world that I was not subjected to. And it seems very judgy, very judgmental and, and, you know, sort of classifying kids and, in, in, into, um, different genres of popularity, if you will. And, and I wouldn't want to be part of that. You know, that's, that's tough, yeah. but you can't, you, this is the world we live in. So unless I move to Alaska and go live in the sticks and shut society out, I think we all are sort of in the same boat. You you have to navigate it as best as you can. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you do. And it, even if you went to Alaska, you could still play Atari. Right, but, right. I, I meant, you know, yeah. get, going off grid yeah. is what I meant. But, no, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I totally agree. I mean, I was, I don't know how you guys, were, you know, grew up. But I was, like I said, I was overweight. I was fat. And I, I was bullied a lot. And the cool thing about coming home was the bullying stopped. Yeah. Like, you were in your house. Mm. Now all you need, I don't know where my phone's at, but all you need is a device. And you you pick that thing up and people would be like, you know, you suck. You're not popular. This like, and that, that doesn't stop. And you're right about like the social media thing. Like one, my my oldest is 15. He doesn't have an Instagram. He doesn't have a Facebook. And we actually even took Safari off of his phone. So we took Safari off of his phone and um, he has a one hour screen time on that phone and the whole the everything shuts off like he can't get to any apps. The only thing he can do is text or call someone. That's it. It's basically an iPhone. That's a dumb phone. Mm-hmm. That's because it just it, you can't go on the Internet or anything like that. Is that uh, is that because it was becoming a problem or because you want to be preventative and not let it become a problem? No, I mean, he was, a you know, he's a typical boy and, and uh, uh, I gotcha. he, he, he yeah, was, yeah. Uh, we, we have this software on his phone called Bark and Bark is a software that runs in the background of all their devices, uh, the iPad, iPhone, their, even their Chromebooks and all that. And what it does is it picks up keywords in their text, email, social media, literally everything. And what it does is it'll detect suicidal ideation. It'll detect adult content, depression, alcohol cyberbullying like and it'll send me an alert it'll be like hey alert cyberbullying or alert adult content you're sort of in a weird way outsmarting technology with technology their exposure to technology yeah. with technology is kind of crazy you know but what do you mean by that like well you're that. trying to protect him from yeah. you know all the 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 shortfalls of of technology right and all the bad things that can present and you're doing that with technology right. you know so yeah. it's kind of right it's kind of crazy Trying to, yeah. I mean, he was, so I, I would get alerts that, you know, he was, you know, he searching what a typical boy would search, yeah, right? right? And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have talks with him like, hey, man, like, um, you know, I just, I'm like, hey, you're normal. You know, it's a normal thing. I was like, but, you know, it's probably not a whole, we don't want to be spending a whole lot of time doing this, okay? Like, really any. And I, I would even, like, have these man-to-man talks with him. Like, look, man, like, seeing that on a screen and you're not sexually active yet, like seeing that on a screen. And then when you go to do the real thing, like the brain and, mm-hmm. and the physicality doesn't work together. In other words, like things are not going to perform the way you want them to. Cause your brain gets desensitized by that. I was like, so let's just make an agreement that, you know, we have outlets in other ways, but not on the phone. Okay. And we had, we talked for like, no kidding around, like an hour and a half about it. Just good man to man, no shame, no guilt talk. And we shook on it and he's like, okay, I won't. 
next day i get an alert i'm like, I'm like <laughs> same yeah, search yeah, and i'm yeah. like dude i was like come on man like, i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry it won't happen again next day and so finally i was just like and i asked him i was like listen what do you think the best course of action is here like what do you think we should do he's like i think we should take safari off my phone oh like, wow i was like okay let's do it then so it was actually his idea it wow. wasn't i mean i was hoping he was going to say that and but if if he's the one who says it then and he yeah. is he has stuck to it. He hasn't tried to do anything since. It's a tough one to control. I'm not there yet. I've yeah. got a four and a six year old, but uh, you know, it's that especially with boys, it's that it's that desire that burns within, you know what I mean? That that teenagers go through, man. Oh, and yeah. and that's that's you know, that's a kind of a unique way of dealing with it that I hadn't thought I don't have to think about it yet, but you got any um, issues with that yet? You got a thirteen? No, nah, I mean well, yeah, he's he's getting there. I can tell his voice yeah. changing and yeah. stuff. So <laughs> he's like very, you know, attitude all the time. Like, dude, driving me nuts. But, you know. Looking at things you shouldn't be looking um, at? Or you don't know? I, I, went, through, I went through a search. As, I mean, no, she's on She's on top of it more. But uh. I went through a search one the one time. He's searching dumb stuff. He's still 12. Yeah. But I did see, like, he searched Mia Khalifa once. Mia Khalifa? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yo, what's up? What's up with this? <laughs> Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. <laughs> I'm going to give him an extra high five on the way out of here today. <laughs> my, my son's search was pretty tame, and it was the same search every time. <laughs> big boobs. No, it was beautiful women with big boobs and big butts and bikinis. Hey, <laughs> it was He's got a thing for the bees, man. <laughs> it was the same search. And, and Bark will actually show the image that he sees, and I'm like, Okay. Right. 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 I was like, you like the bigger girls. I see. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, it was National Geographic. That's how bad it was when I was a kid. <laughs> I know, right? Like we used to. Joke. Literally, my grandmother got subscription to National Geographic. Yeah. I would spend the night at her house. You know, I don't know, maybe a couple times a month or whatever. I remember she had this very old farmhouse. She had this really cold bedroom over her over her the garage of the house that that was you know there was a couple it was a big old victorian house it was a number of bedrooms i could but i stayed into that one because it had the most privacy and i could right. sneak national geographics in there and, <laughs> and stare at them yeah it was pretty bad <laughs> Dude, national geographic <laughs> bro Jeez. that's all my life but that yeah that that shows my age Maine right was rough bro damn <laughs> That's the truth, man. That's the we truth. Sound like Listen, my buddies, my titties my, are titties, my, bro. My, my buddy's dad's like titty magazines. That's what these no, guys. They weren't at. around. If that was around to look at, my Ooh. grandmother's not going to have that at her house. My grandmother. I swear, I feel like holy roll. We used to find them in the middle of the woods. I tell you, I had this story. Me and my stepbrother, we had to be. 10, 11 years old, went to a, on a Saturday, went to work with my dad, we're on a job site. He needed our help a little bit. You know, we helped him a little bit. And then he's like, all right, go ahead. I'm going to finish it up. So we went up to the woods. We're in the woods messing around. And we come around like a campfire and we see a bunch of nudie mags. Right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, let's take them home. We're folding them up in my pocket. I pull them up and I put them in my pocket. In your pocket? In po yeah. I'm like, what am I going to do with them? In my pocket. Because we're really going home. And I remember in my step I'm telling my stepbrother, I was definitely my idea. I was probably the bad kid. I'm like, don't say nothing. Shut up. Shut up. And we're in the car and he's quiet as hell. He's so quiet. And it's like, What's up? What'd you guys do? What'd you guys do? And he found it. It's like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? <laughs> oh, you, you dived yourself out or your cousin did? No, my stepbrother oh, did. Oh, your stepbrother. Yeah. Oh, Damn. Here we go. <laughs> Dude, I used to, I, I was probably 12, probably the same age. I used to stay, because my mom was like dating at the time, so I would stay at her brother's house, my uncle's, every now and again. And my uncle had all these VHS porn movies. 
And one night when I was staying over there, I freaking took one. And I, th- I was, I, no matter what I did, <laughs> I would get caught. So like I literally, I had this jean jacket. That's when jean jackets were in. <laughs> and I stuck this freaking VHS like in my jean jacket. It's, it's like this giant square. She'll never notice. Like I walk <laughs> in my house, my mom's like, "What is in your pocket?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Nothing. It's a book. Like, she's like, "Let me see what you have." And I was like, "Oh, dude, she was like the shame. Yeah. Like you would have thought I was going to hell. Like she was gonna open up the floor oh, and just toss man. me down, man." It's a tough one though, you know, and and because I mean, it's it's not an unnatural feeling for a teen, right? But it's a tough one to navigate, you know. Again, I don't have to deal with it yet because my kids are so young. But you're you're there. You're just yeah. a about at that age and you know you don't want to I, I would think you don't want to make your kids feel shameful like they're doing something right. wrong but you also you know you, you had you had a lot of good points there you don't want them to just have easy access to it and right. think that that's normal and desensitize yeah, themselves that, that, that's and, a real part you know, that's real, so, you know we keep it really light like a lot of the guys who you know like i've had guys i've had guests on who have who have talked about like hey how do you talk to your kids about pornography how do you talk to your kids about sex like for us, it's it's literally an ongoing conversation. And you're right. Like the worst thing you can do is like the shame and the right. guilt because all that does is drives them to do that even more. So what we do in our house is we keep it like super light and we keep it fun and funny, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and we'll make jokes about it. You know, it's like he'll be in the shower and be like, come on, dude, like save some hot water. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, things yeah. like that. Like, or like, you know, and I, I never like hesitate to like I'll, I'll say i'll compliment my wife i'm like man like you're wearing those yoga pants really well tonight and they're like god dad come on you know stuff like that I'm like come on man you never grow yeah. out of it you know but like we we keep it light you know? humor is humor. definitely the yeah. way through a lot of things a lot yeah. i found that for myself that that it definitely helps in so many yeah. aspects you know what i mean if you can find a humor side to a situation it, yeah it's, it's it's incredibly helpful it is know? i mean because that way like they don't feel so weird like right. when, if they because my my boys especially the two older ones they will they will openly they're like hey man i, I need a man-to-man that's that's what they call it like i need a man that means they have questions mm-hmm. and those conversations happen pretty often i think that and they feel comfortable doing it and i think the reason they feel comfortable doing it is because we keep it light yeah. you know it's like if they say hey, we need a man-to-man be like it does it's not a production mm-hmm. you know it's not right. like this thing like right. okay well what is it you know like it's like yeah man what do you got so i always tell them i'm like if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you the details. I was like, I, I do tell them this, though. I'm like, don't ask me about me and your mother, though. Yeah, yeah. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if you do, I will not tell you anything. Right. Like, that's the rule. So don't ask that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I was like, yeah. but you got questions about it. I'll tell you everything yeah. you'll need to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's, uh, it's an interesting job being a dad. You know? Yeah. Really well, I mean, is. I I find it fascinating though when your daughter gets to be dating age. Like, don't even don't even talk about I it. Don't even, even talk about it. I can't even <laughs> fathom like a guy coming here and being like, uh, "Mr. Edgar, I'm, I'll be home in thirty minutes." Like, you know what I mean? Please don't kill me. Yeah. Yeah. My well, daughter can date when she gets married. Yeah, that's she can date. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. We'll see. I mean, I'm I'm lucky to have two older brothers too. So yeah, true. Yeah. true. Hopefully that'll uh, yeah. help out a little bit. But you know, really, it, it's. Even more than that, it, it's, you know, it's how you raise her, too. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? So show her that she needs to be respected and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think you got to have your daughter, she has to know her. she has self-worth, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. That's probably a big thing. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, 
I think fathers play a pivotal role there. You yeah, o- you yeah. often hear the term. You know, with Mia Khalifa, I don't know if she. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you often hear the term attributed to girls that make poor choices is she's got daddy, daddy issues. Yeah, yeah. You hear that yeah. term a lot. You know, yeah. I don't know where that was coined, but it seems to make sense. You know, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm even seeing that. You know, even like serial killers come from. Not having dads around and stuff too much, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just you know, broken families. Just period. I think it's just, yeah. not, it's just bad for ki- kids in general. It's know? a weird thing because you know I've, I've, you know, I do a show like Larry's and I advocate for the importance of fatherhood role in a kid's life, and I, I think it's equally as important as as a mom's role. I really do. But then there is such a um, issue in, in today's day and age with involved fathers. I mean, there, there is, it's, it's, as a lot of dads that, that bring children into this world and, and don't choose to have any part of their life. And I think it really hurts the dads that do want to, you know, it, it leaves a bad stigma on us that, that really want to be actively involved and to feel truly like I do, that my role is every bit as important as their moms. And, and, you know, there's a, there's there's an incredible amount of uninvolved fathers in their children's life right now. You know, and and maybe it's always been that way, but certainly as a dad, I notice it more. You know. Yeah. Do you want to see something kind of scary? Mm. So g- grab your phone and just open up the internet and put fatherless home statistics, and it'll come right up. And just if you want, just read off. You know, three to five. I have Mia Khalifa on here right now. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fatherless home statistics. It's crazy, man. I'll just read the Wikipedia top on that pops up. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That comes from the U.S. Department of Health Census. Five times the average, 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless. Wow, that's mm-hmm. mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Are from fatherless homes. 32 times the average father factor in education fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school so so then i ask you larry who's sort of dedicated your life at this point to speaking advocating for dads and and making this your life's mission why does that not get recognized why why is there more emphasis not put on if those numbers are accurate which i'm sure they are why is there not more emphasis in, in many aspects, just generally talked about in the court system when, when divorces happen, why isn't there a bigger emphasis put on, on how the integral role a father has? What would you say? I think that in line right there is the biggest question. Yeah. And I, I think that's why we all scratch our heads on that one. I think those statistics, I don't, I don't, I think it's absent father, like completely right. I'm gone, sure, right? Yeah. yeah. But I agree with you. I think, um, unfortunately the dad's like the voice of the dad like has been silenced a lot um you know the the impact of a father as far as like even if you have 50 percent custody the impact of a father is even just having that will make a huge impact on a kid's life and i don't think that that's fully recognized yeah. there's another statistic in there i think it's 93 percent of of incarcerated individuals yeah. come from a fatherless home so yeah, the the statistics are there, and you know, I mean, part of this mission, man, is like we want to improve those numbers. Yeah. You know, we want to, you know, Meg Meeker. I don't know if you know who she is. She wrote the book uh, "Strong Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters." She's a New York Times bestselling author on the topic. She came on the show and she said, "If you put a dad in every single home 
in America, a lot of the problems that we face with would go away. No question. You know, I believe if, that. if they just had that guidance, right? Or, you know, because a lot of it is just like, like a situation like I had. Like, I mean, you get to see your kids 50% of the time, man, that's so much better. And those statistics are not necessarily, you know, going to impact your kids. Mm-hmm. But like me growing up with a fatherless, in a fatherless environment, you know, I, I definitely, I can tell you firsthand, I didn't have that guidance. I mean, I was depressed. I failed eighth grade. I overate. I had no confidence. I didn't have any skills. Like I had nobody there to really be like, you know, Hey, how do I talk to a girl? Like, how do I fix something? Like, how do I, you know, even having just a manly conversation, it hardly ever happened. And when it did, it was always like a toxic element that was in there, you know, a guy who was drunk or he was into drugs or like, and so it wasn't, not only was he not there, but like it was, it was the extreme of what you didn't want. So, and, but yeah, that's not what we want. It's kind of remarkable you turned out the way you did, Larry, given your story and, and, and your background. I mean, it, it certainly easily could have gone the other way, and you, you could have been that absentee father, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see that well, thanks, not man. only did it work out that you're involved there for your, your four boys, but you're you're also a voice for a lot of dads out there, too. And, and not only just maybe not the voice, but you're also there to give advice to and maybe steer a guide. It's not a lot of places I know where men or dads rather can turn to. I mean, well, I it's good too. Like you're in the middle of it. You're in the thick of it. You got 15 to, to six, right? Or, or five, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So you kind of all stages it's happening live as it goes. You know? What do you find any age to be? I, I, I'm sure. Listen, I'm only at the six year mark, you yeah. know, that's as far as I made it. But do you find any age to be more uh, trying than, than, than other ages or, or they're, they're all present their own, you know perplexities yeah. and yeah okay all, all of them i i've i've heard <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd say overwhelmingly yeah. for me yeah. as a dad that's only got a four i keep hearing you just wait till they're teenagers you have no idea what you're dealing with i keep hearing teenage yeah. years are are the hardest is what i hear you know to, to be honest i have actually felt for at least my personality that the teenage years have been the easiest oh wow i don't know why i I think for me, I, I don't know how you guys are, but like the the toddler stage, like five and below, yeah. I have a hard time with that because like it's hard for me just, just the way I'm wired like to speak four-year-old mm. or like for the five-year-old to to ask me a question like, Dad, can you give me some cereal? Right. Dad, can you give me some cereal? Dad, can you give me some cereal? Right. I feel like he right, 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 takes right. my vertebrae and he shakes it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like that that's a tougher age for me because they're they're – raw they're relentless they're like they're like a little animal right like my 15 year old my 13 year old i love this stage because i treat them like young men now Mm. and we have more like adult conversations we can do the same things we can go work out we have a lot of the same interests uh we, we talk about girls at school that they like you know we talk about life lessons like we get to have like these really cool conversations now i will say this it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know, like I said, my 13 year old is, yeah, he's really pushing his boundaries, but in, in a way that's kind of what he should be doing right now. Right. But you know, I, and I, the conversation that I had with him is I'm like, look, you know, you're really impacting the trust of our relationship. And I explained to him, I'm like, when you impact trust on any relationship, not just my, me. Right. Cause I told him, I was like, you sneaking your Chromebook in your room to watch TikTok. That's not really what I'm mad at. It's the fact that you're sneaking right. it. Mm. Then you're being dishonest about it. Yeah. And then when you're confronted, you're lying about it. Right. I was like the TikTok thing, whatever. I was like, here's the problem. Not long from now, you're going to be behind the wheel of a car. 
if I can't trust you and you're lying to me, how am I going to trust you behind the wheel of a car? I was like, if you're, he loves football, he plays football. I was like, if your coach can't trust you to make the proper decisions on the field, how do you think that's going to impact your playtime? And I always try to put it in like, you know, like this is impacting everywhere. So like for him, you know, it's more like, and I just simply asked him, I'm like, what kind of man do you want to be? Do you want to be the man that can't be trusted or do you want to be the man that owns his mistakes and moves on? So like those conversations, they get to be a bit more complex and heated. Like my seven year old, five year old, like, Oh, you did that go in timeout. Mm-hmm. This one's, it's a totally different right, animal, right, right, but right. I like it. I do like it. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, when my kids were babies, like firstborn until, you know, probably six months old until, until they really start, doing things i mean they they basically sleep cry poop they're it's hard to relate to them you know what i mean it's not that i didn't love them and i wasn't in, i changed plenty of diapers trust me but it's like they really haven't become little little humans yet little right. you know there's not a lot of interaction there you know not that there aren't cute moments but once those first start happening like once they start to crawl it's not that long before they start to walk, and then it's not that long before they start to talk, and then it's and then once those things start happening, it's like holy shit! Every day I can't wait to come home and be like, "What's new? What are you doing? What are they doing today?" You know. But yeah. when they're baby babies, you know, I for me at least in my relationship and, and in my house, you know, they seem to be a little more attached to mom because you know mom mom has that nurturing motherly thing, and not that I wasn't milk. close with my and, and they have milk, yeah, but <laughs> not that I, which your son was recently investigating with the big bees, right? Um, <laughs> the four bees, <laughs> um, you know that they that that for me, I don't want to say it was a hard age; it was just more of a unrelatable ages, yeah. I guess, you know. But you know, when they once they started like crawling, things happened so fast from that point. They it seemed like in in my world, you know. Yeah, it, it flies, man. Oh, you've you've got a, almost a teenager. Yeah, yeah. It's just what do you got? Three years left till he starts driving. Ooh. Well, no, he'll four. be four, four, yeah, years, four years, four years. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Save the caddy. Give him the caddy for yeah, a second. Yeah, right. Give him the caddy. Yeah, yeah right. he's got like six hundred horsepower. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shit, by that kids, time. Kids, it's be... so crazy. Kids don't even care about driving here nowadays. Yeah. Compared, like when we were young, couldn't wait to get my license. It's... Kids, they have Uber. Like, oh, I was taking Uber. It's funny. Oh, it's yeah. Funny you said that. My my sister's daughter, my niece. Like when when I was, I got my license at fifteen. My my permit at fifteen. Had, you know, hundred years ago, back in Maine, and I couldn't wait to drive. I couldn't, I couldn't take the test fast enough. It was part of my independence. But then, fast forward to my niece, who just turned twenty-three, when she was sixteen or seventeen, she didn't want to get her driver's license. Her mother had to push her to get it. You know, it was like, come on. Her reasoning was that they lived in Michigan. There was a lot of snow. She didn't like driving. But even when the snow was gone, and it was like had to push her. Didn't didn't. And for me, I was like, Jesus, like that was, that was everything to yeah, me, yeah. everything. Oh, yeah, man. I didn't, I couldn't understand it, you know? On my 16th birthday, I was taking that test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then exactly. I had to go back the next day. Come hell or high water, <laughs> I would have been there, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, you're right, Frank, it is a little different now. Yeah. Because I guess ease and access to right. to such things as you got Uber and, and DoorDash, you're good to go. Yeah, Nothing, you, you don't, don't have, have to do anything. Yeah. That's what's the sad. It's scary about this world, though, too. Mm-hmm. Same, same aspect, you know. Instant gratification. Everything is at your fingertips. Yeah. It's yeah. literally instant gratification, you know. I'm taking my 15 year old out this weekend and just taking him up to the high school, and I'm gonna teach him, teach him how to drive. 
So he's excited about that. He's never been behind the wheel of a car. That's awesome. So he's gonna we're gonna we're gonna do that on Saturday. That's awesome. So. That's how I learned. Yeah. I learned on dirt roads in Maine, my dad's old pickup truck, and I sat in his lap and looked over the wheel and we drove five miles an hour and I I think that's like a rite of passage. That's something that most dads do with their kids and you'll remember it for I remember it like it was yesterday. Oh yeah. I remember the pickup, I remember the roads we were on, I remember my dad, you know, just tweaking the wheel a little bit because he didn't want to help me completely and yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, that that is a big rite of passage. Yeah. You know, teach your kid how to drive. Yeah, oh yeah. My grandfather taught me on his Ford LTD station wagon. Yes. That thing was a tank. <laughs> yes. made of like steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a V eight, and I mean, it gave like it felt like it gave like four miles to the gallon. That's thing was a monster. So, but that's what I had to learn how to drive on. So at least mine gets you know my Nissan. So yeah, right. <laughs> or Frankie's caddy. If yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember how you learned to drive? Your dad teach you? Yeah, I, I I was driving. I was, I was just stealing cars. <laughs> my cousin, he used to drive my cousin's Mustang. Really? Yeah, it was a stick. I was fourteen, whipping it around. No shit. Yeah, like um, on the road or parking lots? On the road. Yeah, <laughs> he's a little bit of an outlaw. <laughs> yeah, <He> is. <laughs> a little bit. bit. Surprised you didn't learn on a bike, on a motorcycle. No, I the love I can, I remember my love for bikes and exactly how it happened. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. I grew up on dirt bikes, so uh, you know, my first bike I got was a little was a little uh, Honda Fifty. Honda Fifty. Yeah. My dad bought that all metal, like no plastic, and you know that was my first bike. So the passion was there early for two wheels, and then fast forward to again growing up in a very tiny town, little town called Cherryfield, Maine, population of around a thousand people. They would have a 4th of July July parade every year. And it was just guys. My dad had a business, so he'd put his 18-wheeler in it. And it was, you know, it was it was just a bunch of the businesses in town. And then some kids would march in it. It was just a little parade that went through town. But everybody attended. The whole town attended. And it was fun. It was cool. You know, it was a cool thing to do. And I remember I was down there, and I think I was like maybe maybe 16, 16 maybe 17. Probably had just had my driver's license. Just got it. And... um these these kids showed up. I remember it was it was my buddy Jason, um, his his friend Todd. They showed up on. I remember Jason had a katana, which is like <laughs> this is like they call him can of tuna. Yeah. Um, Todd had like a GSXR six hundred, and I remember they drove down the street where the parade was. They were like last in line, and I was like, I just I just remember yearning to be like want to have a bike, and I said I'm I'm getting a bike, and I went out and I took my motorcycle test and. By the end of that summer, I went out and bought a GSXR 600. You know, it was my first bike I I had, street bike, and the passion was there. And to this day, I still have that same passion. I love riding motorcycles. I don't ride the way I used to because I'm old. I used to bounce down the road like Frankie said, jump right up, and I I I hurt now. I lay there for a while now, so I don't ride like I used to. But I still enjoy nothing more than getting on my bike and going for a ride. I love it. It's just you it's, still have one now. I still. I, I just made the transition recently from crotch rockets. At my last crotch rocket was a KTM RC um, 1190R. But anyway, I love that bike. But it was just the performance. I mean, it's a track bike. It's a track right, bike yeah. built for the road. It was so hard for me to ride it like a normal human being. And I got two kids, and I was just pushing that thing all the time. Not so much stunting it, because it's not really built for stunting, but just cornering the hell out of it, always going from zero to 104 seconds and wheeling it and things like that. And I'm like, you know, like, you know, my dad said this saying once, you know, there's, yeah. there's nothing you can do on earth to extend your time, but there's a whole lot you can do to shorten it. And that's what I was doing. I was I was pushing the envelope. So, and not that you can't die on anything. You can. It's dangerous just 
generally speaking, don't. But I went out and bought a bought a road glide. I got a Harley now, so nice, you know it doesn't nice. have the performance that that the street street bikes do. So, yeah. uh, but I still like to ride. This guy's got a Harley. I like to get him out yeah. once in a while. Oh, and, you do? Yeah. I do. I I, bar- I mean I. I barely ride. You're going to this summer, buddy. Yeah. I did. I, I went twice this yeah. summer. No, no, this coming summer. We're going to ride. I went twice the past summer. I know. Fall. We'll ride more this summer. Okay. This coming we, summer. We're a dirt bike family. Yeah. So I, I have a 250 CF, uh, CRF Honda. Yeah. And then we've got a 70, we've got a 100, and we got two four wheelers. Oh, so, so everybody's got one. Yeah. That's awesome. As man. of this year, everybody's got one. I just bought the I bought the 100 and another four wheeler. That's awesome. So, yeah, we go we go ride. My my father-in-law is um he's 63 years old. And I have two brother-in-laws. Uh one is 40, the other one's 32, and my father-in-law who is 63 can outride all oh, of us. Oh yeah. He oh. kicks our ass. Like awesome. he can he can ride that those dirt bike trails. And, That's what I want to be at 63. Yeah. That's it, what it's I want to be. No one can keep up with yeah, him. Yeah. He's been riding for, you know, 50 years That's probably. Awesome. And uh but yeah, we we go we go quite a bit. We didn't go last year a whole lot, but this year we'll go again. Awesome. So yeah, that's a, that's one of the things we like to do too. Those are fun. Good riding down there in St. Louis. I mean, it's there... actually not bad. Yeah. There's a lot of trails. Um, we got a lot of sand dunes, a lot of sand flats. Cool, cool. Um, we've got dedicated state parks just for yeah. ATVs and dirt bikes and that kind of thing. So we we like to go riding. It's one of the more difficult things around here for off road. There isn't a tremendous amount. South Jersey offers a fair amount, but right in this area, it's not. You know, you kind of yeah. get in trouble most places you ride around here. So um, yeah, it's. I was curious. In your neck of the woods, how it is in Maine, you could literally yeah, get you on your everywhere. bike in your backyard and go anywhere you want right. to go. But you know, so he's got he's got some dirt bikes for his kids. Where yeah, do you, where I do you guys it. go when you go? Uh, honestly, we don't go. I mean, just I think I saw you one time. I went you down posted, to the power lines. Yeah, I was gonna say times, I saw yeah. you posted a video yeah. on the power yeah, line. Fine, you don't get harassed in there? No. No. Is that over off um, by the college? By the college yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all by the all by Ocean County College. There's yeah, trails yeah, right there too. Are you, technically, are you riding illegally when you're back I there? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm, it's only illegal if you. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> True yeah. facts. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to go out your backyard. That's the way to go. That's yeah. how I grew up, man. Exactly like that. You know, in high school, everybody, you know, even in in grade school, even in grammar school, we all had quads and and, and dirt bikes, and everybody had one. And there was, you know, even though you might live. 12 miles from your buddy there was a way to meet up through trails you know what i mean oh, yeah. so that's, that's what we cool. did on the weekends yeah. you know we we all went and it was it was harmless you know I, i've talked about this before on the show with drugs being so rampant even back in my little tiny town and, and tom's river certainly has its fair share of it but back then you just got on your dirt bike and everybody in maine has a camp or a cabin on a lake or a river or a pond somewhere and you got on your your dirt bike, and you told your dad, "I'm going to Danny Kane's camp for you know for for Saturday night." And you you rode your dirt bike from the house to his camp, which might be 20 miles away. Somebody showed up with a 12 pack, and you hung out, and you it was clean, innocent, fun, teenage fun. Now I see I see it just different up there, even up there where I'm from. I mean, there's heroin is rampant. People break into people's house. Nobody locked the door when I was a kid. You know, just a much different time that we live in, and I'm I'm sure I'm accentuating the negatives, which probably I shouldn't be. That's not a good way to do things. I'm sure there are positives. Technology has some amazing positives to it too, but um, just a much different world. And I I don't think I would want to be a kid growing up in today's day and age. It's it's a I think they have a, a little bit of a tougher road than I did. You know, 
They do. I mean, everybody's accessible, which is great. Right. But everybody's accessible, and that's not so great. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm launching a a new book here in 30 days. It's called Screen Time: uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, and it's meant for, it's a kids book, and it's meant for a parent to read it to the kid. And it talks. We I've had a few experts come on the show as it pertains to screen time, what it does to the brain over time, you know, raises anxiety and that kind of thing. Not, not like uh, 15 minutes of an iPad. That's not going to do anything. It's the parents that like put their kid in front of the iPad for four straight hours. Right. right? And nothing else. And, uh, so the screen time book is all about, Hey, like these are the cool things about technology. Like these are the blessings. Like, like we're, we're, we're incredibly connected. Like you can literally FaceTime somebody, you know, yeah. and see them on the other side. Right. Uh, you can text somebody, you know, something that you want to text them, something, you know, maybe maybe it's something positive. But at the same time, like over time, if you if there's too much screen time, it turns the producer part of your brain off because it, you're nothing but a consumer. Right. It's right. just consuming, consuming, consuming. So what that does is that when kids go to do homework, draw a picture or whatever else, they're like, I, I, I don't know what to do. And then, of course, the the telltale sign is the two words, "I'm bored." Yeah. Because and if they don't have a screen, they don't know what to do, and it's like, and yep. yeah, it's almost like anxiety. Like I don't even know what to do with myself. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I mean, pull to pull that back into our own little world here, yeah. Frankie and I, as adults in the podcast room, because it certainly affects everybody. That's why we like having in person guests on yeah. the couch. And I'm not saying we won't go to Zoom, but we probably will at some point. But I, there's a person being able to look you in the eye and having a connection with you and a and a conversation with you and a personability with you and and learning who Larry is in person. I think is a little different than doing it through technology. If you, you know? send the C, probably here we go. 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 Add that to the list. Yeah. <laughs> No, I I agree. I I like the in persons yeah. so yeah, much better. It, I mean, yeah. it does such a more natural feel to it. You it know? is, mm-hmm. yeah, it really is. But you got it. But the Zoom it just gives so it, much it, opportunity. Yeah, yeah, the the guest list just opens tremendously when it you does. have Zoom. You know, you can you can hit somebody up and be like, "Hey, you busy next Thursday?" And they can they can find. F- 20 minutes in their day where they can, you know, and, and you, you can definitely pull some, some bigger guests. So you can, you yeah. Know? So yeah. I, I think that eventually, you know, we'll, we'll succumb to technology, but we're, we'll, our first choice will always be to put asses Person. in the seat, you know? Yeah, so, you yeah. should, yeah. you should. I'm interviewing, um, Matthew McConaughey on Monday. Yeah, see, that's yeah. what I mean. But, and I, so when we, booked, Damn you. when we booked him, I, I was like, I told, I told my assistant, I was like, I was like, ask if we can do it in person. Yeah. I was like, we'll fly Jeremy in. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, we'll do it in person. And they were like, nope, yeah. can't do that. So, but we're getting them on Zoom. That's, so that's amazing. That's yeah, good. That's, cool. that's yeah. amazing. That's a good get right there. Wow. That's uh, huge. All right. All right. Yeah, all, yeah, right, yeah. all right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like they, they, wait up. I get older and they stay the same. Yeah, that, age. that was his first movie. That was his yeah. first movie. Yeah. Confused, that was man. Yeah. That was great. That was awesome. If you haven't read his book, Green Lights, it's really good. Yeah, that's yeah. I heard. That's really heard. good. He has is his it, own podcast, right, called Green Lights? Is that it? Or is it the book? No, the book the is. audio book. Is yeah, okay, okay. audio yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. And he reads it. So he yeah. reads it himself, which is a really good book. I'm not, you know, like a starstruck guy. And a lot of Hollywood has lost me. And I'm I'm, I'm not huge fans of everybody. But he's 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 a guy that I, I have always liked and have nothing negative to say about him at all. I, I really like Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the, the one thing I've I've learned 
about you know doing doing the podcast because we man on Dad Edge we've just been blessed with some amazing guests. And I remember I, I remember the first time I interviewed you and I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Like Frankie Edgar, like yeah, I was I was starstruck. And you know, one thing you realize like doing this work and doing it for so long is like, man, it's like no matter how popular you are or a celebrity or when it comes to being a father, it's like, man, nothing will humble you more. And that's right. like the one thing that every man shares common ground with right. like we all put our pants on the same way and that's that's very refreshing and the right. fact that like no matter like how much you're in the limelight and how many people know who you are it's like what i've noticed is is men are number one very very humble when they talk about it and number two they're very open to talk about it you know it's like it's always a very refreshing conversation you know to open it up because you get you get past the the fine good and busy you know yep. you get to talk about you know the detail and the, and the ins and outs and the dynamics and the complex complexities and the, and the highs and the lows and everything yeah. so it's it's been a, it's been a cool experience but i'm i'm with you on that since you mentioned matthew mcconaughey to, to kind of go back a little bit and talk about something you mentioned early, earlier anxiety which is something i've yeah. dealt with my entire life um you know a, a big name like that might make me a little anxious at yeah. first not that i'd shy away from it because i i like tackling my fears and i wouldn't shy away from it but w will you get anxious before that interview or doing that interview <sighs> that's, because yeah. he's matthew mcconaughey that's that's a good question and i mean like i said i've, I've done 700 shows now and we've had some fantastic names on the show i i would venture he he's definitely the biggest guest we've had so yeah. far um, as far as like how many people know who he is and that kind of thing. Um, but you know, I, for a minute I was like, when I saw him show up, like my assistant texted me, she's like, guess what? And I'm like, what? And cause she's been trying to get him for like a month or so. And she sent me a, um, a gif of him going, gotcha. And I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, next Monday, you know, 4 PM. That's awesome. And I saw it show up on my calendar and for a minute I was just like, I, I was sitting there with my wife and I was like, we just booked Matthew McConaughey. She's like, are you kidding me? I was like, no. She's like, are you nervous? I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then like, you know, it's, I've had several days for to sink in. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to treat this any different than yeah. I do any other show because I think, I think people feel that energy and I think it's no weird, question. weird for them. Right. But if you just be like, we're just gonna have a conversation. Correct. You know? I mean like, yep. let's, talk like we would talk like we're talk to, to anybody else overthinking is what yeah. i do that kills me if i yeah. overthink it and i put too much emphasis on myself and too much um pressure on myself i i do so much better when i come down here and just wing it yeah. when i just when i just wing it and i don't put a lot of thought into it or don't put a lot of pressure on myself i listen to it back and i'm like that flowed pretty good. I don't know what I was nervous about. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm not just saying this in general. I mean, that that goes for all aspects of my life, my time when I was doing reality TV and, yeah. you know, speaking in front of people. I remember, you know, I just I can remember a million examples where I got super nervous and when I learned to control it and be like, listen, these are all just normal people just like you are. They all wake up the same. They all eat the same. They all shit the same. They all sleep. You're 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 putting this unrealistic pressure on yourself. Just be you. Just be you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's that's what I try to do. I I agree. I think that's the best approach. And the other thing too is it makes the other person feel at ease. Right. Because I, I I truly believe that they can feel like that energy. Yeah. There, there has been one guest though that did 
wig me out a little bit. Do you know who Jocko Willink is? Right? Oh, of course. Yeah. So I had Jocko on, and he he popped up on the screen like when I was, in, and he was you know he's Jocko. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, and we started talking, and one question I always like to ask, I'm like, hey, look, you know, especially the special operators, like the SEALs and that kind of thing. I'm like, you know, is there anything we can't talk about? Like, should we not mention your kids' names? Like, should we do that? You know, like. And he was really cool. He's like, no, he's like, I'm pretty much an open book. He's like, just do me a favor. Don't ask me about my oldest daughter because we're kind of on the outs right now. He's like, and don't ask me about my sex life. I was like, I wouldn't do that anyway, but okay. And I noticed for the first half of that show, like I was like, I cannot believe I'm talking to this guy. And I felt like he felt that. And then after a while, it like clicked in. I was like, stop. Yeah, you know, he doesn't then, feel right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we just started talking about <clears throat> like how he goes about fatherhood, and marriage, and all this stuff. And then he eased up, and I, I eased up, and then he eased up. Yeah. And I could tell that, but like in the, but that was that was years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I can, I can definitely tell that when you speak to somebody, they feel that energy of like, oh, you are this, and I am not even worthy to even be speaking to you right now, and it makes them feel uncomfortable. Right, right. So yeah, yeah, it's just a regular conversation. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Approach it that way is probably the best way. Yeah. Does Frankie Edgar ever get nervous? That's what, and what question. makes you oh, yeah, and what makes question. you nervous? This guy spoke in front of like I almost said the Giants, but I believe it was the Jets. The Jets, right? yeah, Jets. Um, he spoke in front of some, which would make me nervous as hell because I'd feel probably like I didn't prepare well enough. Probably like I wasn't going to have a good delivery, and it probably would have been fine. You know what I mean? I probably would have prepared enough. Like, like your wedding night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that number four? Is that four? Explains a lot. <laughs> um, but does what what does? I mean, you know, we no, we, we def- look at I a- get nervous as hell for all that stuff. I hate. Sp- I mean, I used to hate getting up in front of class and talking. I'm like, oh man, here we go. But you know, I've done the Jets. I've done Amazon. I've done uh, some Fortune five five hundred companies. Um, Virtue Stream, I think it was. And uh, yeah, I- I've done a numerous uh, speaking engagements and. I kind of wing it half the time, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm never, I have my preparation that I prepared one time, and I kind of, and I, the way I do it, I'm like, Dude, these people don't want me back. They won't ask me back. <laughs> yeah. That's just about it. What am I going to do? You know. Yeah. What, what about fighting? I mean, after 16 years, I mean, is it just like? Yeah. No. I, well, yeah. I'm much better with it, obviously, but um, I know when I first got in the UFC and I would get a call from my fight, I would that as soon as I heard who I was fighting, I'd get the butterflies. I get all nervous. You wouldn't, I wouldn't stay nervous, obviously, the whole time. But you know, you, you, anytime you think of it, you get nervous. And now I'm like, I mean, I remember this last fight. I was talking to my wife, the after Wayne's. I'm like, I'm not nervous at all. What the fuck, you know? And then Saturday morning when I woke up for the fight, I'm like, all right, I feel nervous. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm good. And that's that's the best way to approach it, I think. Because what are those nerves on Friday doing for you, or or during the week doing for you? Nothing. I mean, really, I try not to be nervous until I show up for the fight. And usually as soon as I walk in the back of the fight, I'm nervous all day to, of the fight. I'm not very hungry all day. But as soon as I show up in the back, I'm like, I'm good. Because now I know, all right, now I'm fighting. Mm-hmm. You know? It's kind of like you're in that zone. Yeah, right? like, right, yeah, I'm good. I start joking with everybody. I'm laughing. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a good mood. and Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Is it? Is it still, like, do you, does does this profession, does it still bring you a lot of joy? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to do anything else. Yeah, you know, that's cool. I, I enjoy doing it. And the, the the reason I ask that is just because, like, man, sixteen years, you know, that's a that's that's a long time to do any job, right, yeah, or any yeah. career. And uh, is has there been anything that has been surprising? Like, if you think back sixteen years ago and you got your first shot, and you're like, wow, I'm I'm doing this. But has there been anything that 
has been just completely shocking or surprising? Uh, you know, I think uh, supporting my family, you know, giving a life like through fighting is a little surprising. You know, yeah. early on, I mean, when I first got into this, I I did it just because I wanted to fight. I didn't know how realistic it was going to be. I think when I first started, UFC didn't even have a 55 pound division. You know. And I thought I was going to fight in Japan if I wanted to. And I'm like, oh, I'll do that for fun. And, you know, I was still, I, until my third fight in the UFC, I was in a union as a plumber. So I was getting up, working, training at night, and, and fighting on the weekends, you know. So to be able to do this for a job and give my family a good life, and that that's definitely a little surprising. And, and, and you know, very happy of, because of it. That's know? awesome. W- was yeah. was there a like, a like a moment where you knew you'd made it and knew that, that Frankie well, yeah, I mean, Edgar's yeah, name it, it was after, well, would I mean, be not, synonymous with fighting like people nah, would recognize your name uh i think after the title you you recognize that you know you got to achieve something pretty special for that to to, to wasn't set the, in wasn't the commercial you did with live tiger <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but i but like you know my third fight in ufc i got into into the next contract of of you know and i'm like all right i could do this for real uh i remember having to tell my you know i think like listen, I'm not I'm not coming to work no more. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I'm gonna. Is that gonna an easy this. conversation to have with your dad? Yeah, no, nah, we 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 talked about. He knew it was coming. Right. You know, I I knew I wanted to fight. You know, and uh, he supported it. You know, but uh, I mean, he had a successful business too. I mean, he's he's still running it now. Right. But um, I could have easily taken that over and had success there. But I, I took a chance and you know, kind of rolled the dice and and uh, you know, has worked since out, worked man. out. Yeah, it yeah. worked out yeah. for sure. I read a statistic that 80, 82% of men go to a job that they hate. Mm. Wow. Or, over 8 out of 10 men go to a job that they hate. So yeah. the fact that you love what you do, man, mm. you're in that you're in that minority. Yeah. And that is so cool. Because it, it you're, you're doing something, and I'm not going to discount that. I'm sure it's hard, right? It's, it's hard physically, mentally, emotionally. It's draining at times. But at the end of the day, you're like, no, I like what I do. I really All like right. what I do. And that... That joy, man, it like spills over into the family, into friendships, into just life in general. You know, yeah, and, absolutely, yeah. You know, um, what they say, if you, if you, uh, if you, you know, do what you love, you don't work a day in your life, right? Something That's like right. that. What's isn't there That's saying? A, I think yeah. You're not, yep. yeah. I say I, I think I fall somewhere in the middle. I absolutely do not despise waking up in the morning and go to work. I like going to work. I have a good camaraderie with the guys I work with. I like the company I work for. I've been doing it forever. I'm a union guy. I've been there 23, almost almost 24 years. But I don't know that I'd consider it to be like my life's passion or anything like that. I mean, I, there's there's a lot of days where I think, I wonder if I'd picked another choice. But for now, the point I'm at in my life, it's the safe bet. I To roll the dice and completely go a different route is a bet I'm not willing to take at this point. You know what I mean? Like it pays my bills, it pays my mortgage, it gives my kids good insurance, gives me good insurance. You know, it's so, yeah, I I I never despise waking up in the morning and going to work at all. I wouldn't say that I'm like, God damn, this is going to be the best. I wouldn't say that either. But like I said, I like the guys I work with. I like the job that I do. Um it affords me a lot of securities, and um, yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't quit it just to take a whim and go do something else at forty five years old yet. I mean, right. I like doing this. Maybe this will be something. You know, maybe this will. This is you know, this is little. This is our bro out time, is what we call it. Yeah, it's yeah. a little side yeah. side thing that we do, and you know, I feel like it's it's helped me in many ways. We were just talking about anxiety. I feel like this show's helped me tremendously with anxiety. I felt it. It's helped me with knowledge and learning you know i've learned a lot of p- 
people's personal experiences on here and a lot of points of view that maybe I would have never understood otherwise, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm a pretty convicted guy, you know? Like, when I feel a certain way, it's hard to make me feel a different way. And I'm not saying that anybody has come on the show and completely changed my perspective, but they've certainly made me think outside the box, you know? So I think that's that's good, and I I enjoy doing this, man. Yeah. You gonna, you gonna leave me, buddy? Stick no, with me? No, no, no. Yeah. Still yeah. here. Cool. Still here. Cool. Well, you rent out the basement. <laughs> 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 no, that's good. I, mean, I, I always tell people, man, if um, if you ever have the inkling or the urge to podcast, just do it. Yeah. You know, do do it, and because what it does is it, it just it forces you to grow. It helps you with communication. It helps you with yeah. forming new connections. And yeah, you're right. It's like it doesn't matter if somebody asked a question. If you answered a question, you get to you get to learn something new all the time i always say for my podcast it's a front row seat to the most invaluable education yeah, out there good way to put it yeah one of the other things i'll say too is you mentioned when i when i was talking about my childhood and how crazy it was and all that my wife and i were ta- i i was headed for before doing this work i was headed for a really bad place and my wife and i were having this conversation it was her birthday a couple of weeks ago and i asked her i was like where do you where do you think we would be if i hadn't done dad edge and without even hesitation, she goes, we'd be divorced. Oh, wow. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah. She goes, you know, I didn't realize how much you weren't showing up then because I, it was normal. She goes, but how much you've, you've evolved and, like, how good our relationship is and how good you are with the kids. And you have your bad moments like everybody else. But it is night and day compared to what it was. She was like, there was there was a time before you started doing this work that I was like, I don't I don't know if we're going to last five more years. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty crazy. So, like, without doing this work, I mean, I, I don't I don't think I'd have the relationship or I'd have two boys. I wouldn't have four. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was a huge transfer. Just doing the podcast alone was just a huge awakening. Knowing that, I'm sure that makes you more passionate about it and makes you want to put more effort into it, you know? I, I I can't ever see, I mean, like I said, next month will be the sixth year doing this. I, ca- I can't ever see not doing it uh, just because it's a constant learning it's a constant tool to learn. And yeah. especially I was talking to my 13 year old the other day when we were having that tough heart to heart. And I told him, I was like, I remember growing up. I remember being your age. I remember stepping out of line. I remember getting caught in lies and that kind of thing. And I remember like the way my mom would react. And I'd always think like, well, she, she knows what she's doing. She's a mom. She, she's got all the right answers. She's always right. She's a parent. She knows everything. And I looked at him and I was like, being a parent is a lot like it's your first day of school every day yeah i was like i don't know what i'm doing i was like i have a good grasp of the basics and the foundation and like our core values but sometimes i get challenged and i'm like oh yeah no idea what to do on this one and uh so that just kind of get to show them that human side because yeah but but doing this and being able to interview experts in an area like i just interviewed a guy on on raising teenagers and i'm like oh man i wish i had talked to you like months ago (laughs) but it's it's a great it's a great opportunity yeah. to, to talk to people for sure. and learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know much to learn. I'm teaching Roger a lot of shit. You though. are, buddy. <laughs> you, you are. It's funny, um, you know, talking about podcasts, We I think we've been on a little over a year now, and um, 
I've I've seen a number, especially even in this area of podcasts, and a lot of them reached out to us like, "Hey, we're local too, or whatever." And a lot of them I I don't hear anymore. They kind of they've either pod know, burned, they pod burned out yeah. or whatever. But you know, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, the Island Podcast Boys. That was the first podcast Frankie and I ever. We were we were guests on their show. The weird thing is, it was actually in this room. They came here with their equipment. We sat down here. There was nothing in here, and we did their podcast because we knew we wanted to do our own. And we kind of wanted to see what it was about, learn some equipment or whatever. And they discontinued their show for a while. They kind of broke up, fell apart, and now they're back. So shout out to the Island Podcast yeah. Boys. They're back doing their thing. They're a good group of guys, man. They're funny dudes, man. Funny yeah. dudes. And they so, just yeah, get wild cool. and so stick fun. stick with it, yeah. fellas. So yeah, exactly. Don't don't pod burn out. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not for the faint of heart. That's it's not. Yeah, consistency is key with anything. Yeah. So and we say that all the time. You know. That's right. Well, it's just like fighting, just like yeah. training. Yeah, yeah. You got to time stay in, sharp. time out. Yep. Yeah. How, how many fights have you done? I don't know. Uh, Thirty, thirty-two. I don't even know. Honestly, holds know. a number of stats. I mean, he's got 30. most time in the octagon. Yeah, like thirty-two, maybe of any UFC of any fighter. fighter of any wow. fighter. Most uh, around eight hours total. Can you imagine fighting for eight hours? Yeah, no. it's crazy. I can't imagine fighting for eight minutes right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see. I don't know my You Googling yourself, yeah. bud? I am. <laughs> 34 total fights. 34, 35. I don't think it counts my, my one. 35. <laughs> 35 fights. Yeah. Crazy. And 36, I'm going to kick Roger's ass. <laughs> I occasionally see guys, and there's a, there's a very famous guy that used to fight in the UFC. I'm drawing a blank on his name. I can picture him. Um, but I, sometimes I see these stats, and they almost seem unrealistic. Where do those numbers come from? This kid, if I said his name, if I could remember it, you would absolutely know who he is. Jeremy Horn. Oh, Jeremy, Jeremy Horn. Horn. Jeremy yeah. Horn. It just popped in my head. Bro, he's in like the hundreds, like hundreds of fights. What Are those backyard brawls? <laughs> Some of them. I mean, how, how of them are like, he fought, but I mean, this is before... A lot of the uh, you know commissions and stuff like that, regulations. I think he like fought like you know bar fights. We fought three fights in one night. And, and those are They're like go. See, I thought they had to be sanctioned fights to be on your record, but I they were sanctioned, but not by a commission. Maybe okay. You know what I mean, all right, yeah. Jeremy, you ever meet him? I always. Um, I think I have. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe dude's got a ton of. Fights. He beat Chuck Liddell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck Liddell's first. A lot loss. of people don't yeah. know that. Yeah. Yep. I saw Jeremy Horn on. I can't remember. It was it was a UFC sort of, uh, not like a where are they now, but it was like it was like the most epic battle fights, and it, I can't remember who he was fighting, but I didn't know who he was at the time, and you know, he had that bald head yep. and everything, and and he he and the other guy he was fighting. I mean, it was like an all out like just yep. brawl. That's right. a guy that was just his his life mission was to fight. I mean, anybody yeah. that's that's got that many fights, I right. mean, that's what he was put on earth to do. You know, like he, he was he's probably taking you know fights for twelve bucks behind a bar. Right. Another right. guy is uh street Jesus. Um, I mean that he Miles Vidal. Miles Vidal. I mean he he started out fighting in backyards too. Oh yeah, he did like with Ken, Kimbo. Kimbo, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, street fights. Yeah. 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 You you too, buddy. You just weren't on film. No you, film. You ever get any on film? No. This guy grew up fighting at the Jersey Shore, kicking ass and taking names, but I don't think no, anything no, was film, on film. No, no, yeah. That's evidence. Yeah. Hey, no. you go to jail for that. Yeah. Probably on security camera somewhere. Somewhere. 
<laughs> maybe maybe bamboos cameras. <laughs> was there was there a fighter early on? I remember we would rent like from Blockbuster Video, like UFC one, two, three, and four, like with Hoist Gracie and um. I'm like I can see all the Shamrock, Shamrock, Dan um, Severn, Severn, Kino, yeah. yeah, yeah. Severance would always, yeah, I remember he was the wrestler, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but early on, was there a fighter that you admired, kind of growing up? Uh, I mean. Probably Randy Couture. Yeah. You know, he was, him, Matt Hughes. I was in college. That's when I wa- kind of got into, you know, uh, watching UFC. I, mean, I, I watched UFC 2, I think, live. I was, I was in seventh grade. So it was either one or two, because I was like 93. So it had to be one or two. I remember watching that live at my buddy's house. And then kind of UFC went underground. You know, I think it wasn't on really pay-per-view. Then in college, it started coming back around a little bit. So we'd watch all the pay-per-views. And that's when Ultimate Fighter Show came on. That's when I kind of got, got the wheels going. But right then was like you know Randy Couture, Matt Hughes were killing it, and they were wrestlers. So I kind of, kind of got attracted to them a yeah, little yeah. bit, you know. And Matt, Matt Hughes actually, he grew up not far from where I live. Yeah. He grew up in uh, Illinois, Highland, right? Highland, Illinois, yeah. which is probably fifty miles from where okay. I live. Oh well. So yeah, not not too far. But yeah, I, I, I remember those guys back in the day. Yeah. So, but but Hoist Gracie, I didn't even know what jujitsu was. He until, he, he put uh, yeah. he yeah. really put the UFC on the map. I mean, really, yeah. you know. Or MMA in general, I yeah. should yeah. say. Even though he he's a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy, I mean, he 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 showed that if you didn't have Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in your arsenal, you know, you needed it in your arsenal yeah, for sure. You know, well, just showed what he could, a smaller guy could do to a bigger guy. Right. Oh yeah, there's no was weight class back then. Eighty yeah. pounds, I think. He was right? like one seventy at the time. That's yeah, and, and you fought multiple times in one night back then. Yeah, right? you know, that's the craziest thing ever, yeah. man. Yeah, and is. he fought in his gi. Yep. As well, yep. so yeah, yep. and he'd use that thing, you know, oh, to, yeah. to to dig in some sort it's of a hold. weapon, yep. yeah. But it also can be used against you, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Chuck out your t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you would, but <laughs> you're angry. You got some anger issues. Over I'm there. just saying, you could choke someone out with a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, but you looked at me angrily when you said it. <laughs> so I, I have a question for you. I, I'm 45, and I have not done martial arts in 10 years. And now that I see my seven-year-old doing this, I've never done jujitsu. The only thing I've done grappling-wise was wrestling. I wrestled well, listen, you got your camera guy here. Right in the next room, we got some mats. Would you want you you want to roll with Frankie a little bit? We get it on camera. I, I want to. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see that. But no, I, I I I see him doing these classes, and I'm like, you should start at you should 45. Do it. Oh, yeah? hell yeah, hundred percent, man. I, it's a gentle art. It's a gentle art. That's what they call it the gentle art. So let me ask. I don't know anything about jujitsu, but it seems like it takes a long time to to advance in jujitsu, right? I mean, like it does because of the system. But I mean, you know, you're advancing now throughout it all. You know what I mean? And it's sometimes it depends what what you know academy go to and stuff like that. But it's usually based on time. Time in, you know, ten ten classes you get a strike. 20 classes, you get out of strike, you know, stuff like that. But sometimes then as you get get blue belt, purple belt, stuff like that, then it's based on performance a little bit. Okay. But more more, more time than anything. Got it. I heard it described one time, which I thought made a lot of sense, is the the art of being comfortable in uncomfortable positions. Yeah, you know? it's just life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean? It's very true. What is Ricardo's got a saying about something? You quoted it a couple times about what makes a man the the – Essence of being a man. I forget what it was. You've quoted it a few times in here. Have I? Yeah. Uh, or maybe it was Henzo. I forget. Uh, uh, fighting is the best thing a man can have in his soul. Well, that might be it. I might have been uh, a little uh, off. I like that. Sounds, sounds right. That's cool. 
Yeah. He's like, you know, and, and the way Hanzo says it, he's like, you know, everybody has fighting them. You fight to get out of bed in the morning. You fight not to eat the cheesecake. You know, you fight not to go get Botox. <laughs> <laughs> Right, he's he, digging on that one, yeah, but he, all right. He, he just he picks yeah. on you. Yeah, man, not, it's brutal. Yeah, it's really. It's, it's, no one picks on this guy. I got to bring him down on our level, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you do every show, pal. Yeah. Every show, and I love you for it. But yeah, you know, fighting. Uh, we all got to fight in our own way. Everyone has a fight, some kind of fight going on, mm. you know. So fighting's the best thing you can have in your soul. I'm down with that. Makes a lot of sense That's when you think about true. it. On that note, <laughs> Larry, man, this was great to have yeah, you in fun, here man. finally, man. This is uh, really good to pick your brain, and uh, it's good to have an ally on the uh, dad side. On the dad side, you know, and uh, I, I'm sure Roger and I know myself will be picking your brain, you know, in the near future too. We're trying to deal with raising kids and you know having boys that are again about your boys' ages and stuff. So, yeah, man, good to have this contact and uh, good to have you down in the room. Larry, yeah. so much appreciate it, man. Um, yeah. For the people at home or the or the guys, the, the, the dads at home um, that would like to get in contact with you or reach, you want to tell them where, where everybody can reach you, what your what your social media links are, where people can reach out to the Good Dad Project. and Yeah, you can find everything we're doing at gooddadproject.com. We're, we're currently doing a rebranding, so uh, probably within the next 60 to 90 days, everything will be at, at the dad edge dot com but everything will be redirected but everything you can find just gooddadproject.com for right now instagram is the dad edge uh as far as you know all, all my books are on amazon we've got a course on patience um but yeah you know my my last message would be you know if you're a father and you're struggling man isolation is the enemy of excellence and like the that. definition of hell is meeting the man that you could have been when you're on your deathbed. So if you're not happy with the way things are going right now, man, there's always a way to learn new skills. And then the final thing that I'll say is this, too, is I definitely want to acknowledge and appreciate the both of you guys uh, for coming on my show and, you know, just sharing very genuinely, you know, the things that you guys are doing, how you go about fatherhood. And like I said, you know, like on our on our group text is just that, you know, I, I think that there's sides of, of men, there's sides of you guys that a lot of people don't get to see and I've gotten to see it. And what I can tell your audience is that you guys are amazing, genuine people. And the way you go about fatherhood was just a ton of care and a lot of heart. And uh, I just really appreciate, you know, the relationship and appreciate you guys coming on the show and sharing your message. Thank Mean, you, brother. means a lot. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a pleasure and an honor. Yeah. I got you. Champion of the trip out. Check us out, guys. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. And my man, Lair, has got to sign the board up Let's there before go. he leaves. Let's go.